Welcome to One Nation Radio. And now, here are your hosts, Rich Latta and James Floyd. And thank you for listening. One Nation Sports. One Nation Radio, and now here are your hosts, Rich Latta and James Floyd, and thank you for listening. One Nation Sports. Yeah, what's good? This is Wale, and this is One Nation Radio. Yeah, you know. He now rocking with One Nation Radio. Welcome to the program. James Boy, Rich Latta, and a couple friends with the show for your wrestling needs. Shopping out the rest of the IWC. We gon' tell her how it is. We gon' shoot from the hip. If they putting out trash, we gon' rip from the bits. Make sure that you tweet us and you rate the shows. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Now let's get it on the road. Hey. One Nation Sports. One Nation Sports. One Nation Sports. Welcome to One Nation Radio. And now, here are your hosts, Rich Latta and James Boyd. And thank you for listening. SocialSuplex.com. BWB, what's up? This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give him life. The blackest wrestling podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they kick it trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in this on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation The power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Hey, folks. Welcome to One Nation Radio, the special tip. I've already botched it. We're going to keep going. It's fine. We're going to keep going. <laughs> Ten year anniversary of One Nation Radio. Yeah, man. A uh, long time coming. Like, in in ways, it feels like it's been a, a minute. In other ways, it feels like it's been like a, just like a, a blink of an eye. Uh, we have gotten older. When, when we first started this show, I had hair below my shoulders. And now <laughs> I am a bald man. I, I am one of the members now. 
Um, you have still remained you you and your Jalen Rose ass shit. I don't know what's going on. Good for you. Congratulations. Strong. I, I look can't hate on you, but as far as my 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 lot in life, I'm bitter. But it is what it is. We we, we will move on. Um, but yeah, man, like what what are your thoughts on ten years of this? Man, ten years of One Nation Radio. Um, it is something I look forward to doing every week still. And just like I always had an attitude when we started doing this show, I was like, I wanted to be something that I didn't think was out there. Uh, I wanted to talk about wrestling in a passionate but entertaining way that was kind of forward thinking. Uh, And I wanted to do it from a black perspective. Uh, There's a lot of people that have got in, um, you know, since then kind of, you know, making that their thing. And that's cool. And I I don't think we necessarily like stand on that island as hard um, as much anymore. But at the end of the day, we all know what it is. Like we don't run from all the current event stuff. Like I always have felt very passionate about talking about stuff other than wrestling. Um, And I there's no one else I, I could have done this show with besides James. I I have hosted solo shows um, on my own. It's not nearly as fun um, doing it by yourself. Just because you, you talking to yourself is pretty hard. Um, but it, it's I think it's a challenge to do so. So uh, James has had times where he's done solo shows. I've done solo shows, and uh, it's a uh, you know it's a it's a it's it's a challenge, but it's much more fun like doing it with like my best friend here, and um, it it was like a a time where a lot was changing in our lives. Like we were kind of transitioning out of doing the uh, music thing collectively. I would say uh, when we, when we were getting started in one nation radio and it was like, man, like one nation radio, it, it was a way to kind of keep, James and I connected at first. It felt like it was like, you know, cause you never know which, which way um, people's lives can go. And um, it was, uh, you know, from there, you know, ended up linking with social suplex a couple years later. But we we went the we went the long way on this, like, and we're still going the long way because it's like we're not, you know, on a uh, on a huge platform. We're on like, you know, it's some DIY from the muck shit. Like, uh, we're doing it like ourselves, like as far as like, uh, you know, marketing the podcast, promoting the podcast, uh, cutting up the clips, and um, doing this with like, you know, with Jeremy and Josh, like, kind of spearheading it, like, yo. These are going to be like how like like we're our own bosses here. Like we're not, you know, under a fightful. We're not under F4W or anything like that. So it's like us against the world in a sense. And um, I I, I kind of find it find a great challenge in it. And, you know, there's a there's a lot of freedom that comes with it. But we have to be uh, responsible with that freedom uh, as much as I, you know, will come on the air and, and do the. Uh, kind of conspiracy theories and like some of the trolling stuff, but like I'm always coming from like a good place with it. It's not to be reckless on air. And uh, there's like a lot of, you know, I feel proud that we've pretty much run a very clean show as far as like, um, you know, we don't have to go back and edit out stuff that we've gone too far on. Uh, We've always been respectful to women on this show. Uh, We haven't like, uh, you know, we, we've allowed people to come into the show with, with unique perspectives that, you know, I've really enjoyed uh, having on like all our guests like Tanya, uh, like Floyd, Jeremy, Josh, Simon, Sam, Chad, Dave Finishell, Sierra, uh, Sierra, of course. Um, and I, I, I just like, you know, 
I love like linking with people that kind of like had the similar mindsets as us that that wanted to approach it, this thing and just make it better for uh, for listeners, for people that, you know, want to have another way to look at, you know, wrestling and uh, in life, really. And um, I, uh, you know, I've always, you know, maintained like, you know, I'm a music artist and everything like that. But I feel like I'm just as much as a, like a podcaster uh, at this point. And it's it's hard being both because it's like man i'm always like you know thinking like the music stuff never stops and but this is always coming back around once a week as well but um i'm very happy to do this show very happy to have like the rich audio library that we have like i think you know i feel like you can stand our show up with anybody's at this point and find entertainment find uh, great analysis find just unique shit that i don't think anybody else will have um so I, I I love the fact that you know we've been doing this for ten years and it's literally ten years to the day. Uh, we I, I remember twelfth, yeah. uh, two thousand twelve. Um, what about you, man? Um, I, I've never really thought about it outside of the you know the occasional times to be like, yeah, you're coming up on a you know a fifth anniversary or a sixth anniversary, seventh anniversary, and then you know about a month ago you're like, we're coming up on our ten. And I was like, yeah, it is our ten. Holy shit! Like ten years have gone by. We've been doing this that long and like, you know, like when it first started out, it was, we love pro wrestling. We love sports. How do we, you know, we would always have these conversations basically like we, me and you would talk almost every single day um, and just, you know, basically just riff on whatever was going on, like almost like a PTI style uh, type of thing. And I remember one time I actually like, we, we did a PTI style type of thing where it was like, all right. Put it, put the timer up, three four <laughs> minutes or whatever else, and let's go from topic to topic or whatever else. And that was a fun show, but like that was just you know experimenting or whatever else. But um, it was just it was just that it was just like because we always have just the, the chemistry to be able to you know blabber on for for forever about anything. And I I feel like you know some of the stuff we talk about like you know we're both I don't really do the whole talk about yourself as being smart or whatever else, but like. It's just conversations that's, that's, that's like, I guess, more thoughtful, for lack of a better word, right? At times, and other times can be, you know, funny, or other times can be like, let's rip something up because it was fucking awful, or if we have jokes, get the jokes off. But, um, you know, like, I, I just think that, like, as it went on, um, like, the whole thing was like, all right, like, the, the, our chemistry is the main thing. Like, it was always just like, we have the bond of, like, you know, half the time we already know what other ones is, is about to say, right? And a lot of times, like, we've basically workshopped some of the stuff we've, we we were going to think of saying on the show, like, to each other in private or whatever else, like, just a, just a seed of something, just then watch how it grows, right? Like, so, um, for segments or for other things, uh, in, like, long-running things, uh, or topics or whatever else, and discussions on the, on the show, like, over these years. So, like, um, you know, to me, it felt like, you know, a lot of it, most of it is like those same conversations we would always have about whatever stupid NBA trade or, oh my God, they just gave Gilbert Arenas a hundred and seventeen million dollars. <laughs> what the fuck are they doing? Like stuff like that. Like it, it, that's what, that's what trend. That's what basically I, I thought like, I think we're pretty interesting. Let's, let's see what how people take it or whatever else. And then it turned into, all right, we got to edit some, we got to tone down some things or whatever else. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, and and like also, I think it speaks to your maturity uh, uh, and growth over the years. Like, cause 
yo, when I, when I met this kid, <laughs> this wild boy, <laughs> this man had no home training in, in, in like, what am I, what am I, um, one of my uh, great enjoyments of the show is like to to remember like uh, when I first met him at a barbershop, like we were just talking about like a random was it a double XL magazine about about uh, the double so. XL magazine for a reasonable doubt, right? Yeah, yeah. We started talking about it, and then like I met this kid, and then like thought nothing of it, and then uh, you know heard it, you know knew that he rapped everything. He was I was out of high school. He was still he was a senior in high school at the time. And it was, it was whatever, and then like we, you know, my me and my my cousin and uh, me and Rich's other friend Kendrick, we decided to start a a a music label, and we were like, remember the kid that we had that we yeah yeah, yeah. and then I don't even know how we all met again, but we met again and we did all the music stuff, and then it just flash forward to like the 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 wrestling thing and then you know the sports came along with that and flash forward to all the years of doing it like from when I first met you and like see like where you are as far as like you when you became a writer and like the stuff you were doing like for stuff on you know whether it was ho- being Hulk Hogan over the head or or whatever like I just I just like was just like that's crazy like I I, I just met him by chance and, and look what he's doing like uh, that that was always those are always proud moments for me and like to see some of the stuff you do especially the stuff you were doing without me when I was like gone because uh, WWE it pissed me off so much after WrestleMania 34 and like it was just see like this dude is ma- making killer content, uh, and like like all the stuff like as good of a rapper he is, he is applying that to, you know, a different medium, and I, I just thought that was I just thought it was great, and like we'll always have the Alexa Bliss thing, well, <laughs> forever. <laughs> that will be around for if we do this for another decade. It's coming with us to twenty uh, twenty thirty two. Um, so yeah, like I, I just um. It, it just and then like to see you you know um you, you met somebody you settled down you got married and um like and you know I've heard some I've heard your journey and steps on how to, how you want to become a better husband and stuff and like that that brings me joy like the whole all of this this whole thing from two thousand was it two thousand into two thousand sixteen two thousand six to to now like that's just like yeah. this is almost like a time capsule of our friendship. Yeah, and it's brought yeah. it to the viewers of the last ten years. Um, uh, so like I, I think it's really cool. Um, and you know like the show has evolved. Like we started and we were just talking. Like the first like was a two part thing where like we were riff for like go. We were trying to go forty five minutes on sports, forty five minutes on WWE, and then it turned na- more naturally into more pro wrestling as we give it more time and investment into pro wrestling. And like even from there, like us, you know finding the wrestling that we wanted to get more enjoyment out of this to see if there was something more and like those like those like risk or those chances and like turning into things that we've you know has literally kept us kept us afloat as far as our fandom and pro wrestling at the time because like if not for wrestle kingdom nine good lord um yeah yeah like yeah you'll see you'll 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 see the list yeah like not if not for russell kick you know if not for you know, NXT arrival, if not for, you know, Wrestle Kingdom 9, if not for All In, if not for All Out, or, or, or Double or Nothing, if you want to call it, if not for, like, you know, I randomly decide, hey, let's, like, some of these women are really good that came from this promotion called Stardom. Sierra, Sierra says they do some good things. She doesn't really rock with um, the promoter or whatever else, but, like, 
let me let me let me look around and see some of these like you know uh you know uh vault matches or whatever else being blown away and then getting into it and like what a fucking luck like <laughs> like they, they were they were like you know in the middle of the pack is they're probably at the top as far as drawing with you know ice ribbon or oz academy at the time for big shows or whatever else in, in in 2019 and then like it literally like turns to this year the clear cut number two promotion in japan as far as drawing um selling tickets like that's fucking wild like and we were like it, it felt like we, we we caught the wave like kind of at the, just the right time like right and 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 like yeah so it it, it all the stuff like you know the Ring of Honor, the Ring of Honor stuff, and the guys from that, you know, Ring of Honor New Japan thing starting up or Impact as well, starting up AEW, like all of that stuff, just like just following this stuff along, along with like us growing this interest, interested with WWE, even being like, look, man, we can kill this stuff, and, and rightfully so because it stinks, but like, I kind of want to watch something that I enjoy. <laughs> um, so it, it turned into finding other avenues to keep the show going. And I think, you know, I think it made us a more, uh, open show to anything that's out there in the world. You know, like right. I never would have thought that like when we started to show that like we would spend a portion of our time at random covering a, a like Noah's Budokan Hall show in, in, from a few months ago. Like what? I, I didn't even know what that was. Right. Like, like when we started I, and, like, and it's like, it's, it's really like our journey through our wrestling fandom where it was just, it was very closed off and then it just yeah. like it kept opening and opening and opening and then to the point where it's like it, I feel like it is anything is almost eligible to be covered on this show at this point we um, covered to- we covered Toki Joshi Pro's Sumo Hall show this year Rich yeah and um, it it, it feels good to to do this stuff w- with James and um and it's just you know every time like I come to the show I know that like it's like I don't feel like we're competing with with each other or anything but I feel like damn there's a really smart guy I'm doing this show with who's like not fucking around at all who has a, has a razor sharp memory uh, I have to come like and be entertaining and be funny and and then like you know it's just. I, like we're playing a lot of inside baseball on this, so I'm telling you guys how we think about doing the show. And sometimes it's like, hey, just press play, we'll figure it out on the air. That's definitely yeah. happened a lot. Yeah. Um, and just relying on, you know, uh, you know, being friends with each other for years and years before the show uh, was, was valuable during the show because, like, me and James could disagree and yell at each other and whatever, and it's still love. And you know, it's not, right. it's not a, it's not a personal thing with us. So right. And, I, I, and, you know, you, you hear about, like, all these type of combinations and, you know, people splitting up for whatever reason, um, yeah, like, you know, in media or whatever else, like, Mike and Mad Dog eventually, like, they butted heads too much, they had to split up, right? Because that's never happening with us because, like, we're friends and, like, we butt heads about this and then we'll go move on to talk about something else. And, like, if you are dead set on something, I'll just let it go. It's not a big deal. Like... And that's, and that's also another part, like, I, maybe, well, for me, it was a conscious, I don't know about you, but, like, I never wanted to do one of those, like, one of those embrace debate shows. I think they're, I think they're, like, just the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really think people really do that f- with pro wrestling or whatever else, but, like, I believe, you know, somewhere down the line where there's some, sh- you know, whether Ben, or not Ben Simmons, but Bill Simmons gets bored with, with what's going on with the ringer, like, and man, this shit ain't, 
let's 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 first take it up and then all of a sudden you get like you know some like somebody with Rosenberg to be very combative about it and go back and forth like that that is like I think that would be ruinous for like the Twitter world like I, so like I never want to do those shows and I think like they're actually like it's that that kind of like political talk radio political like cable show where it's like you have your perspective you have literally the polar opposite perspective and it's not about being necessarily right or wrong or trying to find understanding or meet in the middle it's about like shout shouting out one side's opinion shouting at the other side's opinion so both both sides feel validated for one half of the second one half of this of the uh, segment and the other half they're antagonized and like i think that sucks because it's not actually you're not trying to actually figure out anything or learn anything or or you know what i'm saying like i I, I always thought it sucked. I thought I always felt like it was useless and like, but people love it. And I'm just like, I can't like, so I, I haven't watched like first take in like, I probably saw, well, I probably swore our first take before uh, we even started this show, mm. but like, I never <clears throat> wanted to do that. If I was going to do it, if I, if that was what this show was ever going to, to morph into or, or whatever else, like I would not have been a part of it. Um, so like, I enjoy the part where like we disagree on things and we could like just leave it where it is and not and be like okay I get it I don't whatever else agree to disagree like I can't remember what we agreed to disagree on like a couple weeks ago and it was like it was one of the show for like five minutes or whatever else but like it's like whatever let's move on it is what it is ready and pass like so yeah I, I just think that's what the show is about is like trying to you know work towards truth truth and our understanding for like what is going on and, or like what is. Because you mentioned like the smart dude, two smart dudes thing or whatever else. Like, if I ain't got it, I know you got it, and if both of us ain't got it, then it probably stinks. <laughs> like, just straight up. Like, <laughs> either either something has to, dr- either something is missing to, to be later like put into place, make everything click, or it just stinks. Period. So yeah, uh, I, I think that's I think that's what made the show work over the years. Yeah, um, if you guys are in the comments, let let, it, let us know what you guys think about it. Um, we do have the uh, audio. I guess we can we can roll into now. Um, <clears throat> the uh, drops come from uh, listeners of the show. I believe my wife sent in one. Um, there's a I believe it's about 15 minutes audio. So we're gonna be here uh, on the stream. If you guys left, uh, if you're on the stream right now and you did audio, prepare for your voice to be heard. Um, and if you guys are hearing the podcast version, James is going to insert it right here. So you'll just hear that. You won't hear us uh, react. Uh, I have not heard what anyone's going to say. So I'm going to try not to turn into a blubbering baby. Uh, if, if, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, deep heartwarming thing y'all, y'all are preparing for us. So, uh, I, I believe I sent a uh, snarky tweet. I was like, do not make us cry on the air. I don't, I don't want to do that. Uh, but let's see what it is. So James, if you want to pull up your uh, audio, uh, if you, if you can hear it, uh, I'm going to go ahead and get it started. And I, I believe I am leading it off with Jeremy Donovan from uh, Keeping It Strong Style. So we will pull everything. Uh, I'm just going to play everything straight through here. Here we go. Hey, Rich and James, Jeremy here from Keeping It Strong Style. I want to congratulate you guys on 10 years of One Nation Radio. I've listened to the show since 2014 when I first met Rich through Twitter. Since then, you two have become two of my best friends. 
We have had several wrestling travel trips. We've built up Social Suplex to what it is today. It's been so awesome to see how One Nation Radio has grown and evolved over the years. There are hundreds of wrestling podcasts out there, but there's only one Rich Ladder and one James Boyd. You guys make the show authentic, funny, and special. So I'm looking forward to 10 more years of dropping off the rest of the IWC, ripping trash into bits, and hitting the music. Congrats again, guys. Hey, Rich. Hey, James. Congratulations on 10 great years. This is Bruce from about 2,000 miles to the north up here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. So I don't remember when I uh, first found you guys online. Um, I don't remember the first episode that I ever listened to, but I do know that uh, there was one episode of One Nation Radio that will always stand out to me as, as kind of my favorite One Nation Radio moment, and uh, it has nothing to do with wrestling. It was the Kobe Bryant special. Uh, that was a very tough time, and I just uh, I just was really impressed with your honesty, your vulnerability, and your willingness to be emotional on the air. Um, I knew right then and there that One Nation Radio was something special. Like I said, congratulations on 10 great years, and I'm looking forward to listening for another 10. Well done, guys. 10 years of One Nation Radio on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Thank you guys for the great years of audio and this is danny from the great match generator podcast on the social suplex podcast network my memories of one nation radio are just interacting with you guys and interacting with how real and humble you and james are in this group chat hopefully i get to meet y'all one of these days and shoot the breeze with you guys because Rich and James, you two are real dudes, man. That's all I have to say. James, Rich, it's your boy MJ Does PR. Just want to congratulate you both on 10 years of One Nation Radio. You guys are talented broadcasters and amazing community builders. What you guys have built here is a real authentic community, and you've got a lot to be proud of. So thank you for everything you've done, all the work you've put in. It's valued. It's appreciated. All that good stuff. And with that said, there's just one thing left to do. Hit the music! I've always wanted to say that out loud. Hey, Rich and James. It's JML here. Wanted to say happy 10th anniversary to One Nation Radio. You guys have been one of my favorite podcasts for the last couple of years. And like I talked to you guys before when you let me be a guest on One Nation Radio, which kind of blows my mind. Um, You guys are much needed in the podcast space, especially with black podcasts, wrestling podcasts. Um, I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for being being here. Uh, You guys entertained me for many, many of hours, including dating back to the Raw show. (laughs) on loads of pain so um, happy 10th anniversary and basically 
thank you so much for being around and hope you guys have much much more continued success take care hey guys this is rambo and slam pig i just wanted to send you a note to say how much i appreciate the podcast and everything you guys do uh i think both of you bring a lot to the table and i really appreciate it uh rich i think our taste in wrestling and the wrestlers we support are pretty similar uh big overlap there so i definitely appreciate hearing your takes even when you dive into some conspiracies i I appreciate that too even if i can't rock with you all the time and james i appreciate as a uh, kind of a parachuting in and out fan of stardom. Uh, the fact that you kind of break it down and give context to everything that's going on so that when I show up to watch one of the big shows, I kind of have a sense of what's happening. I appreciate that as well. Uh, the podcast is a lot of fun. I don't miss an episode. I really look forward to it. I appreciate a lot of the shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, and you guys are definitely one of the top ones. So thank you so much for everything. I hope you keep going. I look forward to many episodes to come. And I appreciate everything you've done so far. Thank you very much, guys, and happy 10-year anniversary. From the deep, dark depths of the LOP Columns forums uh, to the Dean Ambrose debates of 2018 uh, to trying to moderate the comment sections that Rich Ladder was just lighting on fire to the great Daniel Bryan conspiracies. Look, over the time that I've been listening to you guys, I've become a fan of Japanese wrestling You guys have become a fan of John Moxley. I knew he'd get you eventually. I knew it. Uh, And it gives me just so much pleasure to congratulate you guys on getting 10 years of One Nation Radio. You guys have gone the big lift. You've trucked your nut hard and straight. You've busted your ass week in, week out to bring the people the show of the people. Seriously though, lads, I don't have a lot of friends in my real life who enjoy wrestling. Uh, So every week, I really look forward to listening to you guys on One Nation Radio. You're always honest and you're real with your opinions and where you stand. Um, But at the same time, you always remember that ultimately we're watching blokes in budgie smugglers fake fighting. So it doesn't always have to be serious. Um, Thank you for all the entertainment Thank you for all of the hard work that goes into it. I've got a podcast. I know how much hard work goes into it, and I've been only doing this thing for like nine months. Um, Here's to 10 more years for you guys, and happy birthday to One Nation Radio. Oh, and in case you didn't get it from the accent, it's Sam from the AW Match Guide. (laughs) Thanks again, lads. What's good, y'all? This is James Brown, yo. You might have seen my username in the Twitch chats or on Twitter or whatever. But, yeah, I just wanted to show love to One Nation Radio, 10-year anniversary. James and Rich, congratulations. I discovered this podcast less than a year ago, and since I found it, I haven't stopped listening. Uh, I randomly found it through Twitter, just seeing some takes, whatever I agree with. And then I uh, found out, you know, the people behind the podcast were black, and I was like, okay, now – now I really got to peep this and I ended up uh, tuning in and uh, liking what I heard, um, heard some, you know, NBA talk and I'm a huge basketball hoops head. And so that brought me that brought me in even more and that can get wrestling and hoops in, in one place. But not only that, but you guys are you guys talk about, you know, just even the stuff that that's not wrestling. Like, uh, you know, if you dip into playoff football or, or baseball stuff or some type of pop culture controversy going on, you guys are just really entertaining to listen to and funny. As far as it comes to wrestling, I like that you guys, uh, you keep it real on what you like. You don't front about, like, 
you don't act like flips aren't cool or whatever to fit in with like some of your uh, peers or whatever. Like you guys like what you like and you're honest about what you like. Like I like the some of the more technical stuff too, like a Zack Sabre Jr. or whatever, but I'm not going to act like Lucha Libre isn't fire. And I like that about you guys. I also like that you guys have your fingers on the pulse of the business more than most wrestling podcasts. A lot of podcasts out are either old timers who are just out of the loop. And some of the more popular old timer podcasts even kind of have like a weird, like racist, sexist kind of like tinge to them. Like the vibe just feels like a little uncomfortable. Like, should I be listening to this? And then some of you guys is, you know, some of the more younger peers you guys have in the wrestling media with podcasts, you know, like who haven't been in the business and are just content creators, like they seem to be very out of the loop and, and very obvious spoon fed, like very obvious storyline things that are spoon fed to you. They seem to just not understand these things. And I, it gets irritating to me as a fan because I'm just like, how do you get paid to do this? Because like this is something very obvious you should get. And you guys just always seem to be the right podcast for me. Uh, I like that you guys aren't super reactionary, like sports has become very reactionary over the past decade uh and i think uh you know pro wrestling has kind of fed off that and you guys aren't gonna act like like aw is dead because of a bad segment or whatever you guys are very good at processing things and just like being rational about things and even being rational about promotions that you don't really you know watch like that like i don't watch wwe anymore but when you guys break down stuff like SummerSlam, etc and when you guys ain't like joking or whatever and you're like being serious breaking down a, a match or a segment like you're very fair and rational about it and it's just like it's just a good listen for me um yeah man i wish you guys the best of luck and uh yeah rich ladder james boyd it's joe Sabi here all the way down in australia just wanted to send you guys a message to say congratulations on 10 years of One Nation Radio. I uh, stumbled onto Rich when he was on the Doc Says podcast with the one and only Chad Matthews. And then just followed him around there and obviously got to One Nation Radio. It's been awesome to listen to you guys. Congratulations on 10 years. And uh, let's bring back the uh, LeBron James, you bum of the week. That's been sorely missed. So let's bring that back, boys. Congratulations. Take care. This is Maserati of the Grave Consequences Podcast. Just want to say congratulations to One Nation Radio for 10 years uh, in the podcasting business. I uh, want to also thank them for giving me and Caleb an opportunity on the Grave Consequences Podcast. Uh, and uh, we're proud of them and happy for them. And uh, they deserve all the success they're getting. Hey, guys, it's Catherine. Just wanted to congratulate you on your 10 years of your podcast. I think it's amazing you guys have gained so many followers, have done so many shows, and I hope you guys get to continue doing what you love. Congratulations. I know I'm sending this in um, at the 11th hour here, uh, but part of it is because I wasn't quite sure how to surmise and, you know, say what I wanted to say about about you guys and the last 10 years. So here goes big congratulations to James and Rich on 10 years of One Nation Radio. And I mean, um, a lot has happened over these this past decade. You know, a lot of friendships, a lot of changes, a lot of loss, a lot of growth. I mean, um, I literally owe my entire, um, you know, content creation 
journey and odyssey to you guys uh without one nation radio there'd definitely be no keeping it strong style there definitely wouldn't be a young boy joshua smith um and it's not just about me there wouldn't be a social suplex podcast network or if there was it would be a lot different and without you guys there'd definitely be a lot more bullshit out here in the wrestling fandom so thank you guys for always keeping it a buck thank you for always making sure that it is the no flex zone you know and if people come you know kicking that bullshit you know you rip them to bits (laughs) and uh thank you guys for your perspective your hard work your integrity everything that you guys do the uh years and years of inside jokes and entertainment and um you know, sitting through Vincent Kennedy McMahon's pro wrestling <laughs> um, and, you know, every everywhere else that that has taken you guys, whether it be your uh, AEW fandom, your journey with New Japan, your, uh, you know, Odyssey, uh, you know, covering Stardom and Joshi and Lucha Libre and everything in between. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of people that try to go out there and claim that they're the best, but, you know, um, and I know you guys like to try to say you're the best black wrestling podcast but i i'm gonna change that that might be true but you guys are probably if not the best wrestling podcast out there on the airwaves uh i feel like after 10 years this is just the start of something that's very big and something that is growing and something that is gaining attention and eyes and uh you guys are the draw you know big draws in the business top guys so thank you for everything that you've done thank you for the years of travel and the years of coverage and um you know, all the friendships we've gained and and marriages and, you know, uh, just life changes and everything we've gone through together. And uh, let's continue to do this thing. And uh, congratulations, because you guys do it the best. All right. So there you go. I'm a little bit over my time, but uh, hope you guys appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to catching this show and many, many more. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Man. Thank all you guys so much. Yeah, thank um, you. That was great. That was that uh, was really great. I, I listened feel- to it earlier, like probably I don't know, probably like around nine something or whatever else, just to make sure. Like I know, I I said like I was gonna screen it, like so. I just wanted to make sure it would be no fuck. You be like, hey, Rich, you got to take out somebody so and so. Yeah, it, it was great. It was great. Uh, and. Yeah, it, it was um that was really cool to hear from a lot of different people, uh different reasons why they like the show or whatever else. And, and like it, it was heartwarming and, and really heartfelt and I felt the love and I appreciate it. That was great. Thank you guys so much for that. Um from, you know, our, our folks in Canada, uh MJ and uh Bruce, our our Aussie lads, uh Joe <laughs> and Sam, uh everybody just Jeremy and Josh, uh Catherine. My favorite uh, was Catherine. Catherine like Catherine has to hear that like over in, in the next couple rooms over every so often or every basically every single Monday or every Sunday at times or you know back when it was you know we were super low tech and like I was coming over like to to record the, these these bad shows <laughs> like, like not necessarily that the content was bad but like the, the way these things were, were rigged together to be recorded and, and produced were like out outrageously low tech and um. Like yeah, so like especially shout out to her because like she she was yeah. letting that stuff be in her in her in her personal space you know all that time. Yeah. So that was and, especially you guys don't her. you you guys don't know the, <clears throat> the the battles I've lost on that front. <laughs> so um, it's you know a lot of this show is like you know 
I feel like she's the third silent partner of One Nation Radio. Like, hey, definitely um, an invisible hand. Definitely, you know, like you know. So, um, much love to her and um, just uh, everyone else uh, that that wrote in. Uh, James Brown, Yo, appreciate you know what what you said on there. Um, Rambones, uh, Slam Pig, uh, Greg. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure there, there may be, you know, if you guys didn't, you know, get to send one in, uh, all, you can feel free to send one in rich at social suplex.com. If you wanted us to hear it, if you were shy or didn't want, didn't want to do that, we'll, we're always, uh, we'll always let you put us over a little bit, but, uh, yeah, man, this is, uh, like, uh, I, I think it's cool that people, you know, have different reasons that they like to show some people like to, you know, we, we talk about, other things besides the wrestling. Some people, you know, enjoy the honesty of the show, the, the, the entertainment of the show, the inside jokes. A lot of people wanting to hit the music like, like your boy, I see. So, um, you know, you know, trendsetter, you know, as, as they would say. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just, just once again, just, just thank you to everyone. Like this is, um, thank you to James for sure. Um, and I, you know, I, I I always say I will always want to do One Nation Radio. It will never like be a time where I'm like, you know what, I'm I'm good. Like it's not like you know, is you know, wrestling's always changing. It never stays the same. Yeah. And I think and I think one thing that I enjoy about our show is like, and I think I kind of went on a uh, I don't know if this was a, a Twitter thread I put out recently or in our group chats. If you ever like happen to be in a group chat with me. You, you, there, you never know what might come in, in, in there because I, I went on this various agendas. Yeah, various agendas. Some, some of it's <laughs> some of it's real running co- concurrently. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's a there's an agenda happening right now uh, for those that are on video and they don't even know it yet. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I heard and this is what you were talking about earlier, and I was like, no, just no. <laughs> but um it's just like you know i feel like it's important to to fight for like what our ideas of good wrestling are and really learn how to process it history as it happens because too often people let shit go by them and they never realize how good it was and they're they're always uh pining for the past always and yeah with that, if you know how to see it in real time, that that makes it easier to see what's down the road. Yeah. Like, and we have this joke like amongst ourselves, like always ahead, and it's just <laughs> observing what's happening right now, and it will tell you what's what, what's going to happen soon. It's not it's not really a mystery. It's not right. science. Yeah, I you know we we often get in these things. We're like, where the hell was everybody else at when we were here? Like, it is not like we're tuning our homes. Like, we you didn't see the the thing that we thought was like glaringly obvious to everyone else um yeah like you mentioned the you know the the talk about the the greatness in real time thing like we mentioned that especially during the um the osprey kevin nash thing from a few weeks ago mm-hmm. um and and like you know i i think that's i think that's the thing like for us is like when we talk about you know like the one clip from last year around this time of like um or about cl- close to a year like when we put up that clip of like just going through like the the Grand Prix last year and like Shuri's run to 
to become a legend. And we're right. like, yo, she's the best women's wrestler in the world. Like, period. It is what it is. Like, she just had like two, like a four and a half or, four, or two, four or three quarter star matches in a row in like a 25 minute span back to back to, to, to win this thing. And then like, you know, she has a legendary title, uh, win. Like, we, we often do this, right? Like, you know, the, a few weeks before the, um, a few weeks before we even got to the Kevin Nash things, or maybe a week before, like we were talking about like what the the run that kept that, um, Will Ospreay is, looks like he's set up to have. Um, and you know, it's, it is interesting. Like, cause I don't think we're doing much different than what we do when we talk about like, Oh my God, look what LeBron James was doing like, you know, a decade ago. Like this dude is set to be like one of the, like we all know he's going to be one of the greatest all the time, but like, it's going to be different from what we've seen from anybody. Um, or when we talk about like someone like, you know, Patrick Mahomes right now, like what the fuck, like what? Um, like those kind of like people, like, I don't feel like they get like in sports, we do this, but in wrestling it's, it's, we don't really, people don't really give out extra praise. It's like, what have you drawn kid? And it's like, so I'm not supposed to like appreciate what I'm not supposed to like have fun with what I'm watching now because like it hasn't done this imaginary this arbitrary number or benchmark or whatever. It's like nah, man. Like these, the, like the kids don't get to have no fun until they turn 35, and, and like you don't get to see people. It, it's like this weird thing of like you don't get to appreciate like what has happened. Like I, I um, like I hope people you know now at least like appreciate like what you know, the horsewomen have done for women's, have done for pro wrestling in America. Ron Orr's like, yeah, women can draw. Women can be on top. Women can main event WrestleMania. Women can do all these sorts of things. Women can have their own pay-per-view and have the best main roster pay-per-view, you know, that year in the whole fucking company, right? Like, these indie kids can go out there in front of 15,000 people and have one and have, like, the greatest shows this, uh, WWE has ever had. Like, when we were watching NXT or like we can, or you can see what like Kenny Omega or Okada or Tanahashi and the, and the things they were doing that were like so different and in and a, and a good way from like what we were brought up on and be like, yo, this is totally different. And like, it just feels like you can feel the passion and energy and the fans and like the violence and, and like, just like, the frenetic energy of the build to like the crescendo of like just this amazing array of of action that like you just do not see we just were not like privy to here. I feel so fortunate to have <clears throat> started like opening up the wrestling world when we did because like it like in 2015 when we watched it it was like a shock to the system right like oh my god there was nothing like this that I've ever like really experienced but right. at the same time that generation was still young. They were still building. They would still go through like a raid, like uh, yeah. and lose talent. But like at the same time, everything was on the ascension. So it was like I found like Kenny Omega, who's like I- I'm going to talk about him later. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I found like you know like like Okada and Tanahashi, and I felt like I was watching all this important stuff. Had I like just like kept my head up my ass for years and years, it's like we would have like missed out on this whole thing and not really known how to like, there are plenty of people that don't know how to process what they're seeing now because they, they weren't living it in real time. Like with that, like um, they don't understand why it's a big deal for Okada to show up on TNT 
Um, they don't understand, you know, like the the what it took for the elite to build this shit like out the fucking muck. Like when they were like when I was damn near emotional when the Bucks won the IWGB tag team titles from Evil and Sonata, the heavyweight ones. Mm-hmm. And after after breaking through and being seeing the, them come for being juniors for forever, uh, going through the to the muck, not being full timers and like figuring it out from there. And it's like a lot of these like things like that that happened i feel fortunate to not not understand it like <laughs> and um and not I, being I'm, one of the people say hey well why can't we get a replay uh, or why can't we get a video package for this person it's like this company does not exist if not for this person like even though you don't know this but like yeah right like it could be mentioned in passing but like Normally, pro wrestling was built on reactions, and you see the whole crowd going nuts. Okay, the crowd went nuts for Shibata. You don't need a video package to know about Shibata. He's never wrestling for this company ever. He's just gonna show up, <laughs> kick some ass, and then put and then they get Orange Cassie's shades put on him. Like right. it's it's fine. You you don't need to know every little minute detail and backstory and lore to to appreciate something that w- wasn't necessarily for you. Like pro wrestling isn't for everybody and not every single moment is for every single person. It's nice if everyone knew everything, but that's not the case. Just like it is in movies. Like the, a movie you watch does not tell you every single thing you need to know, especially like a sequel, right? You need to tell mm-hmm. you every single little minute detail. Hopefully you watch it. Hopefully you watch this movie and, and liked it. The second movie <laughs> enough that you want to go back and watch the first one. If you miss the first one. Yeah. Um, I guess we should we should start getting into uh, some of our lists that we have. Um, so on the first ever episode of like One Nation Radio, like the wrestling one, <laughs> we gave stop right there. I have the list. I uh, let me send it over to you. Okay. Uh, and let's put that up just to give you a reference of where we were started from as as fans of just North American pro wrestling, just basically WCW, WWFE, and uh, in parts of ECW, basically. Maybe a sprinkle of Crockett here and there of JCP. Um, yeah, so... Where is this at? Oh, Sheets. Alright, so... Um, It was crazy looking at this, uh, or looking back at this, um, a few weeks ago, I think a few weeks ago when I, uh, when I looked at this. Um, so yeah, I'm going to send it over to you now. Um, but and if you, if you guys would like to, like, I kind of want to put some of the old shows on the one, the one nation radio exclusive feed. Um, this okay. is also something like some, some, uh, general housekeeping that we do need to mention. So, um, we love the fact that everyone uh, listens to the show. We do like, uh, you know, a lot awesome listenership on the social suplex feed. But if you want to support this show even further, there is the One Nation Radio feed that if you download the show from that one, uh, that one will support the show even more. That one will um, go more directly into into funding the show, qualify us for certain things, blah, blah, blah. Find the One Nation Radio one. Download them from both. Do that for us. But yes, I will definitely. I, I think we should definitely put up the throwback episodes on that show as an incentive to subscribe to that feed. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know what has just happened. Like that page has completely page unresponsive. Yeah, exit page. I'm not. I'm not going through that. Uh, all right. So, uh, yeah. But like looking through this thing is uh just funny to me. Um, so, 
All right, let's go into this again and uh, let's press share and let's send this off to Rich. All right, let's see where we where we at on this. All right, I just send it to you. Okay. Is it? It says ONR favorite wrestlers. Is it an email? Uh, I sent it. Uh, I, I guess I sent it. it to your email. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. if you want to pull it up on the screen on Twitch for for the for the list or uh, viewers. Okay. Let me find this. I still can't believe that all these years ago, like I, I still just like <laughs> I left off the rock. <laughs> what is wrong with me? <laughs> okay. Uh, please let me know if you guys can see that whole thing. I'm trying to uh, get it there. Whole thing's not on there. Okay. One second, guys. All righty. So we've got. I guess we should just read them off. Uh, so I'll, I'll start with mine, and and you start with yours. Oh man, okay. Like mine wasn't mine. Just giving out names. I didn't actually rank mine except for like the beginning, but whatever. I basically okay. everything is honorable mention except for like the, the top uh, three or something like that. But go ahead. So um, I had Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Oh, you're doing uh, top down. Okay. I had Shawn Michaels, Undertaker as a as a one A one B. Yeah, I had The Rock. I had CM Punk. Bret Hart, Sting, Chris Jericho, Steve Austin, Steve Austin, Randy Orton, Ric Flair, Triple H, Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, Undertaker, Bret Hart, CM Punk. Oh, uh, I just oh, Ultimate Warrior, um, Randy Orton, Scott Hall, John Cena, Rob Van Dam. Triple H. Ric Flair. Daniel Bryan. Rey Mysterio. Owen Hart. Randy Savage. Rick Rude. Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash. Kane. Kane. Woo. Scott Hall. John Cena. Rob Van Dam. Eddie Guerrero. Edge. British Bulldog. Sting. Daniel Bryan. Mick Foley. Chris Jericho. Booker T. Bro, I have been walling here. Man. Right. Austin Aries. <laughs> Goldberg. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, man. Um, we've come a long way. We've come a long way uh, on these. Um, these lists are very different now. Um oh, Yeah. Like this, I, this isn't. I, so for you, for me, this was like my my list for the O and R years. Um, yeah, O and R years here yeah, too. Yeah, like if I, I mean, if we were to do the <laughs> list, like I don't, th- it would be some modifications or whatever else. But like most of my favorite wrestlers are all from like the last years we were covering pro wrestling. Like then you throw in like then you throw in people like you know Rock Austin, Rock Austin, Bret Hart, you know that kind of stuff. Uh, those kind of accommodations, obviously, but <clears throat> yeah, like those lists in 2012, like rough man, like freaking out over a fucking three and three quarter star matchup that went <laughs> on like third from the top on a pay per view and be like, yo, this was shit. Like, be out here like, yo, they gave us two good matches on a pay per view. What else can you expect? 
Right. That yeah. was like something that would that we regularly said, like that was normal yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. But um I guess we can go through um our I, I think I have mine in order. Um it's I, I wrote a top ten originally and then I added to it, so I feel comfortable going in reverse order. Okay. So I I couldn't <clears throat> I didn't want to, it was excruciating, like, doing this. Like, I, I, I called Rich earlier today, and I was like, hey, um, I'm going to do the list. Similar when we do, like, you know, best, favorite match of the year thing for, for the end of year stuff. And I was just like, yo, I am really going to struggle with this. And I always forget, that, like, when I do this process to try to narrow it down, it makes me agonize over more things, right? So it's like... Normally, when I do a match of the year thing, like I do, all right, what are my ten favorite matches from this promotion? Then I do, my, and then I'm like, all right, let me put those order, rank those, and then rank my top ten, like overall, and it makes it even more agonizing. So what I ended up doing was like, all right, give me, I'm main roster in top ten main roster, top ten uh, NXT, top ten <laughs> AEW, top ten New Japan, top ten Stardom, and I agonized over all those lists, and then sped out twenty out of uh, out of uh, those lists. And like I gotta say, I'm never gonna learn my lesson on this. I'm probably gonna do it the same way when we do year end stuff uh, for <laughs> best matches and shit. Like it's it's uh. But anyway, um, I basically what I narrowed it down to was like, who were the people? I made basically tears. Like who were the people that like at any given point over the last decade were like actually people that I actually recognized as like these were actually my favorite wrestlers at any given moment, and like they made okay. it, right. Then from there, um, I put in like the the WWE ears that like foundational can't take them off because of like where they, like you know whatever else. And then after that, like I filled in the rest uh, after that, based off of like you know the things that make you things that make you a fan, like the, the things you've said on podcasts, the things that you have you know you have done you have done like what your dark agendas about or whatever else the things that you have gone on air and talked passionately about um or or people that like maybe you you haven't but maybe it's the time to do it now like that was the below that but like so yeah like i'm ready wherever you are yeah i i basically put a lot of people on here that i just in the last 10 years either i was a really big fan of i couldn't picture myself um talking about the 20 without them uh, yeah. or they made it really fun to cover them or there was like, they were just really important to me. Like, oh, I, I, man, I agonized like some, <clears throat> like the people that were like cuts off at like some people that were cut off at like 20, 21 and 22 were heartbreaking, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Yeah. It was like, I got so many <laughs> agendas. I didn't realize it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't really get as much um, like stardom on here as I wanted, but um like it just didn't like i've got other things to to get to so i'll I'll lead it off uh number 20 for me uh roman reigns um the big dog uh the tribal chief uh he's been essentially the top guy in wwe for like the last seven years on or off uh depending on you know whether he's in or not the company uh polarizing for sure sometimes uh his work uh kind of bores me at times like in, in his more recent runs but i can't deny that he's been a part of just electric television as far as like driving the conversation um his big match performances uh in, as a heavyweight wrestler in america uh, i think he's been he's been he's been more good than bad for sure yeah. but definitely somebody that 
you would like any person, any promoter would make him the top guy. I understand right. the idea yeah. uh, behind him, and I, you know, was very early on the Roman Reigns. Uh, you were train, like saying like that's going to be the guy they push. Like he's he's got it. Like in like from like the first couple matches i believe my myself jeremy uh we, we were there's a famous picture of us in the roman reigns t-shirts uh the believe that ones before the 2015 royal rumble um they fucked with that guy's career a lot uh, they did. i can i could only imagine if uh a tony khan got his hands on a roman reigns from the time he came in i think the results might be a little bit better this run that everyone loves right now could have been happening a long time ago he could have been back around the other side by this point um and his career has been very interesting to follow because he kind of mirrors like wwe like the the over pushing of him and then the rejection of the audience and um you know even the times like where he um like he is as much of a victim of their booking as he is someone that benefits from it so it's it's weird but um yeah, shouts out to Roman Reigns. Uh, I couldn't make this list without him. So I did a tier. Like I said, favorite wrestlers at any given moment, second tier is foundational people. Other, and the next is like just the agendas was too strong that I they just had to have made it. Number 20 for me, um, I am putting I am putting the Young Bucks in right there. Uh, the Young Bucks are not my favorite tag team. Uh but I think from the tag teams I've ever seen, they are the best tag team I've ever seen. And they are like kind of have have for me, like created separation. Um, three, the three best tag team matches I've ever seen. They were in two of them. Um, that kind of that kind of gives you that kind of lets you know where I'm coming from. Uh, they've been incredible. I've seen them in ladder matches. I've seen them in faction matches. I've seen them, or, or basically like Survivor Series matches. I've seen them in regular matches. I've seen them in ladder like ladder wars, street all fights. that. Just street fights, all that. They're incredible in any any circumstance. I've been their best tag team ever. Like I may, I may, you know, I have my, I might prefer other people. They're not as good as the Young Bucks. They're just not. It is what it is. Like, that's just a taste thing. They're they're just incredible. They're overwhelming. Like when 50 Cent was talking about Jay-Z, like the Sissy breaks your neck, that's them. Um, so they they, they, they rightfully so they they deserve the list. And like if I th- think about it more, I may be able to move them higher up this this like agendas list or or, or tier section of it. Uh but yeah, incredible. Number nineteen, John Cena. Um <clears throat> John Cena was somebody that won me over in the middle of 2012 uh, when he was cutting the promos with CM Punk and Bret Hart in the ring. Um, he was someone that I thought was very corny for a long time with with the raps he was doing. I thought he was a wigger. I thought he was just lame, just 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 flat out. Like I didn't like his his wrestling. I, I thought he was clunky and then it just all kind of came together after like you know when the rock started coming back around and you know i came back because of the rock and all that and wanted to beat john cena i enjoyed wrestlemania 28 quite a lot and then started seeing like you know how cena for this time was like what they they claim hogan was or whatever but i felt like cena was like really like i feel like for a modern in a modern context like he adapted his wrestling style he 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 gave a fuck. He always wanted to get better. He tried his ass off. That goes a long way, especially compared directly to his his opposite comparison in Randy Orton. Um, 
like Cena is somebody just. I thought at one point he was a 10 out of 10 wrestler. Um, 10, or we gave him a perfect score on a Bret Hart scale. was a 10 right. out of 10 wrestler, 10 out of 10 promo, 10 out of 10 look. Uh, Vince McMahon was right, like about Cena. Yeah. And he's he's the ultimate baby face. Uh, he's someone that I don't think um, the wrestling business appreciated enough uh, while he was here, especially at the end. Uh, I don't think WWE appreciated him and the way he was uh, – their their last real true draw uh and the way they didn't really protect him at the end i i didn't appreciate it um but his his want to to get better when he didn't have to impress me a lot especially in 2015 um and and forward he was like he was like he was around because Roman Reigns couldn't do his job at a certain point, and it was it was when it, those years with Cena in 2015 and 16 and 17, it was yep. like, yo, like this dude is cold, like, and you know I always have lots of respect for Cena. Yeah, um, number 19 for me, um, Kagetsu from Stardom, uh, like for me watching her. You know, on the day in, day out basis, whatever you want to call it, every other day type of thing in stardom, like from when I started watching in 2019, she was the first Red Bell champ when I first started watching. And like to see her go out there and have, you know, Cork and Hall anniversary show match with with Jungle Kiona. And then like and you see her spit the mess and you see, the, you know, the gear that's impeccable. Um, and like, even though it's like, it's very rare to have geared it for a lot of people to think looks like great and also for most of the part it's like monotone like her basically be like either 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 all red or in white or in black or red or black and white and um and all in her in the look and the, like the face paint and the charisma and the like you know like you watch Japanese pro wrestling you see like you get the translation but like you can but to feel somebody's like charisma come through and like to be see like them not fumble the words and be like eloquent and like that's what she gave off at all times and like she's my first red belt champion i like i thought she lived up to the role of it uh, and you know th- th- then hearing about like she was actually like the trainer at the time and hear a story of how like she was one of the people in in um in shinjo and like she was getting her ass kicked and, and then like she took a chance on on you know, going around and they ended up in stardom and then they, they you know they gave her so much and she took every advantage of all that stuff and like she always wanted to give back and like her like campaigning to get B to the red belt and all that kind of stuff because they felt like the need to like reach out for a foreign star and her belief in like her improvement like when you hear people talk about like especially back then like they were so hard on like the people that weren't good at the time and they, they were rare and like we talk about like, the real time thing seeing these changes in real time like they were so late to see that like these people improve people like Tam people like B and to see like that match when she put her over and she puts on the fucking neck brace and put her put her over, like it was great. And then like to see her her send off match and start or in stardom anyway, or her last big match where she's in the year end climax and all that kind of stuff. And incredible match with with Mayu, her biggest rival in stardom. And then her send off match uh, on her own on her own solo show with with Mako Satomura was just like I miss I miss the hell out of out of him. I miss I miss the hell out of them. Just an incredible giving pro wrestler in like everything I want out of pro wrestler out of pro wrestling, just somebody that's entertaining, energetic, charismatic, athletic as hell. And just like great storyteller, great seller, willing to give up. Just so giving, just, just, just great. Yeah. So, um, that's Getsu. Number 18, 
the cowboy, Hangman Page. Um, Hangman Page has got on this list out of this sheer week. will. Like, <laughs> sheer will. He willed himself like on this list. Like when I think about like the elite and what his role is, and you know, it's like, man, he was just the 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 guy that would like it is real hard to like, you know, to, to hang out, be in a group with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and then draw any type of attention at all to yourself. Um, his arc to becoming a world champion was one I'll never forget. Um, and his title reign was like just a blueprint, I think, for uh, being in the ring for a first time champion in America. Uh, he's connected in with a way He's connected in a way with a lot of people that, you know, I'm trying to understand. I understand it some, but like there are certain times where I completely get it. And <clears throat> he's just a, uh, he's by all accounts, he's a great guy, except for, uh, you know, uh, unless your name is Phil Brooks. But um, I think he's, uh, you know, like he he's one of these guys that has this, this hybrid style. He's a, he's a, he's a, like a, a big brawler. He's very athletic. He does flips. He's he's a new age modern wrestler. And, um, you know, if, if we could get, you know, a Steve Austin to come along nowadays, I think it would look like Hangman Page. And he's like, I think he's incredible. I think he's going to be continue to go up this list possibly in the future. Well said, Hangman's been awesome. Like when given the opportunity, he's been awesome. Um, next for me, uh, 18. Shuri, um, currently my third favorite wrestler in stardom. Um, and quite frankly, after the way I just gushed about Kagetsu, like, if I had to do a, you know, just bolts passing at, at night and miss each other, like, uh, star match, like, that would be my match, Kagetsu and Shuri, like, because they give off, for me, just so many of the same things when I watch them on a, on a day-to-day basis when, like, wrestling's young wrestlers, they actually giving them something and, like, not being selfish and, like, willing to put over maybe not someone is ready, it's best-looking thing or whatever else, but selling it regardless is because, like, this is how you're trying to have a match here. It is about, like, giving to this person that you believe in them for the future even though you're going to win. And, like, so much of that, like, with Shuri, like, I felt like, you know, Kagetsu left and Shuri came in and, and felt and felt that void like in leadership and like just spiritually. Uh maybe she's not as much of a loon or or do you say delinquent or not delinquent, that's not the word, like uh uh terrorist like Kagetsu was at times. <laughs> but um just like just just regal and carries herself like a star and a ad and like the baddest woman on the planet, like or in the ring anyway, just that's what she gives off in like the run that she had last year, um, and the protect she had to even get to that moment, where like, I don't know if this was ever the plan, but I, but like all this stuff fell in the stars aligned and it all happened, and I'm so happy it did because like that that run that she had all last year were just like it's it's some of the best it's some of the best like wrestling I've ever seen, regardless of the gender, um, regardless of genders or any of that. Like she just is one of the best champions we have going, maybe the best champion uh, we have going this year in, uh, in pro wrestling. And I'm um, bell to bell. And I'm just, I'm just so happy that like somebody with her enthusiasm level and care, like someone that gives a damn is also that as good of a wrestler as she is. She seems to be like that level of person too. So I'm really happy for her. And I'm, I'm glad that like 
after years and years and years of grinding and washing other people's gear and making, having to learn how to make gear to survive in this business when she started out, that like this is where she's at. She's at a pinnacle of the number two wrestling promotion in Japan. She wasn't supposed to get like get to here, and she did, and I'm happy for her. For sure. Um, <clears throat> Walter, number 17 for me. Um, you, uh, like, I had never seen Walter uh, before WrestleMania weekend in 2018. And he's been a part of some of just the most knockdown drag out matches that I've ever seen from everyone from like the PCO to, um, you know, the Tyler Bates stuff. Pete Dunn, his UK run with Dragunov and uh, just last uh, other other week with Sheamus. And like, he's just like just a big brolic motherfucker that like you, you can put him in the ring with anyone. Um, I believe I saw a match with him and Ishii. I'm not much. I'm not sure. It might be Keith Lee and Ishii I'm thinking of, but Walter has a, has an indie run like peppered. He, I believe he faced Darby Allen before. Um, there's just like, He's such a he's a wrestler that doesn't do a lot of fancy stuff, but like he is a mountain like of a man. And I I don't really know much about Walter outside the ring. I don't really care to. uh, But he's he's someone that's like it's just like, yo, if there's a big match to be had on a show, he's always a threat. And he has a really high percentage of greatness. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Like he might be. I mean, he's way up there as far as the greatest big match wrestlers in, in WWE history. And, like, he's been doing this shit in NXT and NXT UK for the, for the vast majority of it. Um, So, uh, 17 for me. Uh, Kyrie Hojo, Kyrie Sane. Uh, I, man, like, I had tons and tons and tons of terrible agendas at the time in 2018 through night or 2000 really 17 through through 19 um and like when she won the uh like just the way that she impressed me in the may young class of the first year in 2017 um and like quite frankly we're, we're never covering stardom if not for if not for that um and the seed like that this person this small this small pirate can just be that like that the bell rings and like it just puts you in this place of like it's going to be a sprint it's going to be fast paced she's going to sell her ass off you will be at in a, in a in a span of like a six of an hour you can be living and dying and hoping that she wins and like with that smile and like the the endearingness of her being an absolute dork like it, it just it just all of this fed, fed into place and worked and like I, I, I just thought that she was a star and like it's unfortunate it didn't work out in WWE the way that like I thought it could have. Like and obviously, you know, the the you know WrestleMania in Tampa we couldn't get her on the on the on the pirate boat or whatever else it is what it is, but like I'm so happy she's in stardom. I'm so happy that she's able to go out here and have these big showcase matches with the younger generation and like, you know, I I, I just think like she's just one of the best baby faces I've ever seen and like she had to be on this list. Oh, and like the, as far as the agendas, Shayna Baszler, I was giving her hell in that in that, t- uh, in that time when it was between when she was she was basically hoarding the title from like Bianca, Rhea Ripley, Shayna, and Io. Oh my God, we oh my God, I I was very unfair to Sh- Shayna Baszler. I never said anything disrespectful or anything like that, but like looking back in retrospect, like I wanted her to give off that title for so long, so long. So like Kyrie being at the top of that, like she she had to be on this list. 
Number 16, the boss, Sasha Banks. Um, I think she's the greatest woman's wrestler this country's ever produced. I've said that many times on this That's show. That's an agenda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. a, a big one. It's a tr- um, truthful, but it's an agenda nonetheless. Yeah. Um, she's the one that they should have pushed like the ace, um, instead of Charlotte. Um, she is the, the rock of women possibly, um, in, in WWE. I think she's, uh, it, it, she has a great reputation as a big match performer. She's someone that's prideful about her work, um, uh, that they didn't give her a lot like they, you know, and we've, we know how the women's scene works. If you're not the champion, it's hard to really find time for you. And this is, she had to put over a lot of lesser people, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons, but the crowds at the beginning, they were chanting, we want Sasha for a reason like that. It, it was crystal clear at NXT that she, that she was the one It was crystal clear that she should have been the one. Um, I'm glad that she got to do the main event at WrestleMania. Uh, I don't know if her career will continue to be as big as it, you know, we may have already seen her peak, um, but, you know, wherever she ends up, uh, she comes back. One has to hope that, you know, they actually figure out that she's the one that actually has moved numbers in this company, uh, that a lot of this stuff was built, you know, that she was actually handling it during the pandemic. And um, I think she's a special wrestler. She's really wrestles a style that normally wouldn't really appeal to me. Like it, it, she doesn't like hit the hardest or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, she's, she's technically inclined, but she's not like a super athlete or anything, but she just figures it out. Like she's very crafty and, uh, she has an army willing to go to war for her. <laughs> I, who I stay clear of most of those people. Um, I, w- and you know, I would be right there with them, but I think they are on some other shit. So, <laughs> but I am, I am a, uh, huge Sasha Banks fan, always will be. Uh, and I hope that she, gets valued as a top star that she is at some point in her career. Okay. So, um, 15, 16, Oh, 16, 16. Uh, the first of the, of the four horsewomen that will be on here, Charlotte flair. Um, first match I ever saw her was, uh, actually the NXT match where she won the NXT title after page page leaves, uh, and gets moved to the main roster. She vacates the belt. They have the match with her and, and Natalia and, and Ric Flair is there and Bret Hart's there. And I had never seen her before. And that match was so damn good. And like just beyond my expectations of what I thought of women's wrestling at the time, given what I was seeing on the main roster. Um, and like, I was just like, yo, she's, she's young. She's tall. She's a, she's blonde. She's got the gun. She's the gun show, all that. Like she has a smile and like she's just, I just saw I just saw a dollar sign on her head like she she's going to be a star and obviously we've seen what they've done with her over the years and she's had ups and downs I think I think in the last um and it's probably since like 2020 she's she's like regressed as a pro wrestler in the ring bell to bell but like if you ask for consistency's sake but like if you ask her I need you to go out there and go get me four stars she can still do that uh I but I really want to focus on her 2018 run, um, where she has the match with with Oscar at WrestleMania 34, literally like one of the few like things that actually enjoy and take back and go back and remember fondly from that match. Presentation of undefeated versus like 
you know, someone trying to ascend to a legendary uh, uh, rememberable status in Charlotte and they go out there and they kill it. And like then from there, like they handled the Charlotte and Becky thing completely wrong and they fucked it up. But Charlotte and Becky through the strength of like just is Becky's like incredible like connection with the fans and her and her killer promos at the time and Charlotte just saying like this shit's going down is going down wrong but like I'm going to go out here with, with with her and I'm going to get her over like the one true time like you can never take you can take a you can say a lot of things about Charlotte you can never take the part where she made uh Becky by getting by putting her over over and over and over and over not maybe it's not her choice but like she kept losing her over and over and over and kept putting over the bigger spot then the next big spot the next big spot uh and then the, you get the you know um you get charlotte and and becky at last woman standing and it's just like this all-time match or in uh for wwe and like i just i i will i'm down on charlotte right now but like i remember how good it was at the beginning in the, in the sasha stuff 2016 the nxt in the four-way horse, horseman four-way and all that kind of stuff and like i you know she has to make the list she has to um just, just, just like completely one of the foremost important people as far as my perspective on wrestling right now today is is one of her. So she's on there. Number fifteen, AJ Styles. Um, AJ Styles was probably had I been aware of him, he may have been on this list in 2012. Yeah. Um, at that time, um, I got into watching AJ Styles at the very end of his TNA run. And really like appreciated kind of what he did, but they they were doing weird things with him. So it wasn't the same, but um, seeing him in New Japan Pro Wrestling really opened up my eyes to who he was. And then going back and checking different TNA things and um, seeing, you know, just how athletic he was and the way he put together matches and um, his, his overall just cool factor. He was somebody that I knew would eventually come to WWE and it only took like um, it only took like him, you know, like he was like the best guy when I was like, when I first got a news, but I was like, yo, AJ is a fucking dude. And AJ and Nakamura, and those, those are my two guys. Um, fortunately, Nakamura did not make my list, but uh, I thought I'd give him a uh, mention here. Um, but AJ, it was a bullet club leader. Um, I started being aware of, of, of really what they were doing with AJ at the helm. Um, he leaves, comes into WWE and just rolls out immediately out of bed. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to be the, possibly like the greatest wrestler that that this company has ever seen on pay-per-view uh, in this calendar year, 2016. And, you know, whether it's 96 Shawn Michaels or, or him that year, um, there are other people you can name in WWE, but Styles was so strong in 2016. I would do monthly podcast reviews with Chad and just be happy that I got to talk about AJ Styles and, and what he did that month on pay-per-view. Um, he, you know, he, he obviously got older, you know, and, you know, got phased down, uh, the more his times went on, but like when he was like hitting and really maximizing the tail end of his prime and, uh, his, his, re- his before his body, like kind of, I don't, I, and even then, like, he, I think his body's still sharp at the moment. It's just, he's kind of mm-hmm. being asked to do different things now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, you know, I think he's a direct counterpart of Hiroshi Tanahashi, I think. And he's, um, 
he's a he's an awesome wrestler. He's a, he's a Hall, wrestling observer, Hall of Famer. Uh, I would say he's a well. He, if we had a one nation radio Hall of Famer, he would be in it. Um, yeah. Oh, he's on this list. You know, yeah. he's on my list. <laughs> um, so yeah, shouts out to AJ Styles. Uh, number 15 for me, John Cena. Um, much of the things, same things that Rich said earlier. When I first got on, I thought this shit was lame. I thought this shit was corny. And, um, you know, I, I gravitated towards, you know, the CM Punks and the, in the Brian, Daniel Bryans. Um, and like, I just thought that like, I felt a lot like the Triple H thing of like, he's, like someone gets hot, he works with them, he sends them packing, and he has a new program. He can move on to the next thing. The other person like gets bad booking and has to come back in a year or something like that. And like at the time, I just felt like you know, does pro wrestling have to be like so? Everything is on one guy, right? And this is a WWEism. Like it, it, they 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 focus on one guy and only make you one guy to the, and as opposed to like, Hey man, if you try to build multiple people, then like, look, look what you got. Like, remember that rock Austin thing? That was pretty cool. Wasn't it? Like maybe if you don't book for one person, you can end up in a situation like that. But like, like you mentioned, like once you see him at first, especially at that time. And you see like, the promos are always sharp. The promos are always on point. Like the character stuff and knowing what he stands for is always there with him. The thing for me was just like, I will see him wrestle and just like, yo, this is a uncoordinated motherfucker that is trying hard, but I still see those punches and they're awful. I still see that springboard stunner and it is awful. Um, and over time, like, he, he, you kept seeing him experimenting and he kept seeing the effort he put into trying to be a better wrestler and a more rounded wrestler and a better, uh, better at big, at the big match. And you saw him, you know, have these TV match with people from time to time, especially in 2015 when he was a different role. And, <clears throat> and you see him just like, he, he, he did so much to elevate once it was clear that he was no longer the top guy. And obviously, like, that's the priority. The whole, the whole offense is, is the Beller Academy offense. There might be a, there might be some plays for, da- for Brian, uh, for Daniel Bryan. There might be some plays for CM Punk. There might be some plays for Andy Orton. But ultimately, it, it is the Beller Academy offense. And he was, and he was Will. And like, once they moved on from that, you start to see, like, that kind of thing go down. And you see him doing all these cool things with people like, like, Kevin Owens or with, you know, even over the years with Ziggler or things with Cesaro or Rusev, and you're like, okay, yeah, I, I got so much more appreciation for the things he was doing, and like, the part that you mentioned, like, he kept trying to be a better wrestler at all times in the ring, even though he had these uh, deficiencies that started out with, just as far as coordination, and then like, he kept trying to like put on the match that people wanted to see with 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 certain people and try to give them that validation and get them in the ring and having a hot match all the time and like for me like he made the list for off of that like when i did this when we did this 10 years ago it was never thought in mind he was going to make this thing and like i'm glad he did and like I, you know I, I i i quite frankly i miss him like if he showed up more i'd probably i'd be more inclined to watch WWE more um because you know what he's going to try to do so yeah, um, shout out to John Cena. Number fourteen, Shuri. Um, Shuri is on my list of like. There's Aja Kong, 
and then there's Shuri. Like <laughs> when it when it comes to women's wrestling, um, her run last year and watching her culminate in that title win, which I think everybody that's listening to this show, a good portion of you have seen that match. Uh, just seeing the the style that she fights with, uh, she's got a uh, like she's got the the ring gear, she's got the attitude. Like I don't speak the language, but I know exactly what she's saying and feeling at at any time. Uh, she's tough as hell. She's like just a demon with the feet. Uh, she is just someone that I think is. She just came out of nowhere. It was like she was dropped like in this promotion. Like it was like where was she before? Like all these years and. Like why was why did nobody find her at, until now? Like and and she's like my age. I think she's thirty three, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, she's thirty three. And it's like I don't know how how much longer she's gonna be, you know, in this thing or whatever. But like you're talking about big matches, championship matches, a rise to the title. She's like she's an alien. Like <sighs> she she's the highest ranked woman on my on my list and. You know, you come back, you know, what what my idea of like women's wrestling was, I, I just had no idea 10 years ago. And Shuri is just always someone I get excited to watch whenever I steer. Um, I watched a match with her in Hameka the other day, and it was just like, I fucking like, I, it was like, it, it kind of extended to stardom because I was just watching, I forgot what I watched. I think I, I came off watching maybe the WWE pay per view. I'm not sure. Clash but, of the Castle. No, yeah. no, no. It, it was Rampage. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 watching, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching Rampage, and I was watching uh, Claudio and and Dax, and I mm-hmm. was like, "This is all right. Like, whatever. Like, it's not. You know, they're doing classic American wrestling, whatever." But then, like, I was like, "I'm still in the mood to watch wrestling." And then I was like, "James, like, yo, the nine four show. Check it out." And then he just suggested main event, and then I just like found myself saying, "Yo, I fucking love this promotion." It was just Flash action like it just just in like Shuri's like at the very top of it like I feel like she changed this company and um she's she's my favorite like there's like I said there's Aja Kong and there's Shuri Kondo <laughs> so yes yeah, shots out to Shuri yeah so uh 14 for me Whew. Kota Ibushi I have the first time I saw Kota Ibushi was a semi-main event of Wrestle Kingdom 9, him and Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, and as you mentioned, this is your Nakamura mention right here. Uh, he, he, man. But anyway, uh, to see that dude do the things he did in there with Nakamura, and, like, I, I had no idea how old he was. Like, you know, like the the old, like, ben Sim- Bill Simmons thing where he used to be, like, he used to joke about people's age. He's like, he looks like a Jonas brother. Like, I, I, I had no idea, right? No idea. Um, and like to see him like have that match and find out that later, like he's not actually with the company. He's just a guy that's in here like fucking moonlighting, but he's so good that he bring him in and it's like, yo, who the fuck is this guy? And then like, uh, and then like the year after that, you see him in the cruiserweight classic and he has a match with, he has those matches and he's fucking incredible. And, And you see him in there with, you know, 
with with especially with freaking Cedric Alexander. Uh, oh my god. Um, and he's in there also in 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 um, the final or the semifinal with uh, TJP. But he, he just Brian incredible. Kendrick as well. Definitely. Yes, 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 yes. In like dang and. Brian and Daniel Bryan's like puts him into tears. He's like, this man will never wrestle. I mean, he's trying to be right. Years later, he will never wrestle again in his business. Uh, but like, it was just telling these great stories. And like, you know, if he if he had just signed, they would have they would have he would have won. It was like, I'm so glad he didn't sign to end up here. Uh, but like to see like, you know, him in these G ones year after year and always be a consistent MVP threat. Um, and to see him like, you know finally signed with new japan and, and become the champion even though like the title reign wasn't great was like it was very it was for me it was, i was happy because like that dude is one of the best words i've ever seen regardless of whatever he does on his neck and he's out of his mind he's broken his neck and he wants to break it again he seems like he's helping him try to break it again um like i've seen this dude in new orleans i've seen this dude in daytona the only time i ever visited this like I've ever drawn a, driven across the state to Daytona in my life was to see him in a, in a exhibition match. It's him, Hiromu Night, or sorry, it's Naito and Hiromu versus Omega in in him and Golden Lovers and like as I mentioned, like the match with Nick Jackson and Matt Jackson. Like, dude, special, dude, special. I've, I've seen him in New York. Seen like I've flown around in around parts of this country to see him wrestle. Right, he's one of those people. Like, so he definitely had to be on this list, and I'm I, like, I'm he's one of the people that like, helped change my mind on like wrestling, just being Americanized, and like <clears throat> all the stuff he's done. Just, just an incredible wrestler. And I, and you know, I hope this isn't the last we ever seen of him. Obviously, yeah. number thirteen, yeah, Romu Takahashi. Now I called Shuri an alien. Um, Hiromu Takahashi is going to be our generation's Jushin Thunder Liger. Yep. Um, it was not a coincidence. Liger in his last match was wrestling against Hiromu. This guy is an outlandish personality. He is so smart when it comes to marketing himself and, and the, he goes crazy sometimes with the wear, but he's clearly trying to carve out a unique style and look and presentation for himself. Uh, I think some of his his work in recent years has gone, you know, he's he's toned it down a little since bit. Since he's broken his neck? Yeah, since he's broken his neck, <laughs> since he's had the pec injury. So he's, yeah, he's slowed down just a tiny bit, but like at that guy's peak, he's an absolute mad scientist of a wrestler who is... Like if you never watched the Dragon Lee and Hiromu Takahashi series, please, please check do. it out. If you never watched him and Kushida, please check it out. Um, especially the two minute destruction match. He was one of the most wild, violent, like dangerous wrestlers that like I, I'm not afraid of. Like, <laughs> like, but he would take a risk. To, he would hurt himself to hurt you. He's, um, you know, like imagine like Darby Allen but like more athletic and like that's a dream match for me yeah him and Darby yeah like Darby but more athletic and like more top rope based um and I think he's just like I I don't think he'll ever go heavyweight I mean he could but I don't know if he needs to like he's he's someone I remember when when he broke his neck it was so it was such a uh like a black cloud on the industry itself because it was like, fuck, this dude was like, he was just heating up um, to a way and he's had to take time out the ring, but he's, he's a, he's an electric performer. He's a guy that 
I think it's going to be he's he's going to figure it out. He's going to figure it out again to capture everyone's imagination. Like he's had it. He's he's I think he's developing the style now that's going to carry him forward. Yep. Um, 14 for me, Hiroshi Tanahashi. <sighs> um, maybe the GOAT. Maybe the GOAT. Um, for, for me, watching him over these last, uh, now at this point, what, seven years on and off, um, I'm always, I'm always impressed on the part where, like, it's it's like the same thing with like you watch a Bret Hart match, you watch a Ric Flair match, you know what you're going to get. Like the look, if he's a if he were a pitcher, you you know that you're getting the fastball. You know what you're going to get out of him, especially now as he's aged or whatever else. And it doesn't matter. This man is always finds a way to like with his charisma, with his sense of timing, with his sense of uh, a flair of dramatics, always be able to when when the chips are down. Almost always, he's going to come through and give you something great um, or something all time. And like, I've always appreciated the part where like this dude, like with a torn triceps, wrestling on that thing for forever, for forever, and and, and getting it done at all times, always getting it done. And like, I'm you know they're they're, they're phasing them down. They've been phasing them down since 2020, but like. Um, that 2019 title run uh, or title win and him winning the G1 in 2018, like that was special. And that match with Ibushi was special. And that match with Omega was also special. And like the the few with my guy, the Okada guy, like there is no Okada without Tanahashi making him. And like, I'm always appreciative of that. Um, when you get guys that are at the top and they're, they're, they are also making people as, while still being on top, like that's, that's an underrated quality because the, 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 the business isn't built for people to want to do that. <laughs> um, right. so yeah, like just Tanashi, just, just, just the, just, just the greatest. Maybe he's not the greatest. He's the greatest. <laughs> Number 12, uh, Shingo Takagi. Um, Shingo is a slightly built explosive. Like he's a wrestler that I feel like as old as he is, he's like 39, maybe 40. There's like no athletic slippage. I feel like from him, he's a power junior that is like seamlessly become a heavyweight because why not? Like the, mm-hmm. the guys aren't that big at this time. Um, but I feel like Shingo's a guy that blends well with just about anyone. Um, high flyers, uh, power guys, people that want to chop. Uh, he's extremely versatile, just like a lot of the people that I have above him on this list. But he's another person that, that just kind of came into New Japan from Dragon Gate. I didn't really have a lot of exposure to him prior to that, but all I heard did was keep an open mind on, on him and just saw how they protected him as a junior and uh, the way he, he hit hard and his, his explosive moves. And he quick, quickly won me over um, in that first super juniors that he did. And I feel like since then he's just been, um, you know, like after 2019, I was looking for, for reasons to, to keep loving new Japan and Shingo was definitely, uh, you know, a big, big reason like a, a key guy that i look to like damn i hope he gets to be the champion one day i hope he gets the main event at tokyo dome and both of those things happen um he's he's fucking great and i hope he gets to um 
I hope he gets to get like an American kind of run, like whether he's like the big dream match guy to bring in um, something like that while, you know, still remaining with New Japan, obviously, um, I, because I can think of just so many like he's the guy that kept New Japan fresh, um, you know, him and Will uh, yeah. for me. Uh, because you know, if, if Kenny wasn't there, they're gonna need somebody to to face Ishii that's new, to face uh, Obushi, to face Okada, uh, and he was just like that 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 insert that really kept this thing uh, on on the uh, track. Yeah, especially like comparison to like Jay White, where it's like it's so hit or miss with him. Like either you can love the match or you can be like, God damn it, it's, just, it's a great match, but like you wasted like fifteen minutes of my time with that bullshit. Um, so for me, uh, 12, um, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. The shield. I am putting them here at this moment. Like, uh, I didn't know what to do with, uh, with them, um, individually. Um, Rollins at one point would have made this list if not for basically what has happened with his career in the, in the thing and the kind of like risk he takes in the ring after he tours ACL, um, the Reigns thing, I think Reigns has had some incredible matches and he has, he has risen to, to be even beyond the things I thought he could have reached. Like when I thought that like they gave him the ball a year too soon, <laughs> but like by the time they, by the time they had got to a year after they went, went heavy with him, he was already there. It was just like, they, they, they messed up the presentation and it, you know, and the fans are very unforgiving, but the dude since 2016 has been, I don't say rock hard, rock solid. Um, I pretty much anytime he's been asked to, obviously the, what the, the path towards the hill thing, it, it, it wears on me at times, but more times than not, these are still matches that are high quality. It's just a matter of taste for me. And for my taste, I've kind of outgrown that kind of, that kind of style and pacing, um, from pro wrestling at this point. But, and then Moxley, like, I, th- I think Moxley, if I had made this a single thing, Moxley would have made it. Just on, on his own. Um, but like the shield thing and the way they came in and the way they protected and some of the matches they had, like the stuff with the Wyatts, uh, the, the match they had at Survivor Series with the New Day, um, the kind of showcase, like the New Day is like maybe the shield is the greatest three person do, uh, three person stable ever. Like New Day is like number two. Like, let's acknowledge this in real time. Like, I, I just think they, I think they were great. I think the way they protected and like the idea of like we're going to try and launch three guys and they all become, you know, main eventers uh was a big thing and like when things were ever going bad for any of them it was always like send one of them out there with the other one and trying to help you know hold them afloat or or save it or whatever else like whether it was mock well all the times it was moxley saving their asses but you get my point like moxley and 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 rollins moxley and and and, um and uh reigns it was always just like compelling because you knew like they had that run where they were just untouchable for like yeah, what about a year to about close to two years and then, like it was always a blast seeing them in there mixing up with various forms of like Danielson or wrestling even like the Usos or wrestling some tag team some makeshift babyface tag team with John Cena like they were a blast and like you know never say never <laughs> whatever but like I, w- I would really love for them like to have some like you know, some sit down thing and talk about the good old days, whatever else. And I could, I could pay, you know, pay for you prices to watch it. I really would enjoy it. I really would enjoy it. Like the way that like John Moxley in his book talked about Roman Reigns is like, that's, that's true friendship. Like beyond the, the pro wrestling thing, whatever else, like 
the admiration they uh those 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 three all have for each other like i i appreciate it so uh the shield had to make it number 11 john moxley <laughs> what timing uh, we're not aware of, of each other's list so um john moxley himself uh i was having a conversation with james the other week where i was talking about i think if i voted him if i had a hall of fame vote i would probably be comfortable giving him the vote next year um and i think he's someone that works very hard and there are a lot of wrestlers that work hard, but it bleeds through him literally. <laughs> and it's like, he's not the most, uh, he's kind of like, like Cena in a sense, like he's not the most naturally gifted person, but there's a whole lot of want to, there's a whole lot of give a fuck there. And, um, uh, he's a, he's a, a microphone presence that is one of a kind. Um, people have compared him to, Austin and Terry Funk. I think he's he stands on his own at this point. Uh, he is someone that loves like wrestling. He'll show up to the, the shit worse indie right now and, and, and like, like, like why are, like why are you here, bro? Like and, and like it's just for his love of the game and it's like he doesn't have to do a lot of stuff. Um, he could easily coast on being someone that was in WWE for a long time that had multiple million dollar years for them and, and just coast on, on that reputation. And he uh, refused to do that. And I respect it a lot. And he's like completely like reinvented himself because it looked like he quit kind of in real time. It was like, you know, it felt like he, he quit on screen for he like, mentions, he, he mentions and he mentions that as such in the book. In his book, yep. where he's like, I was done. Like, I was checked out. Like, my, my heel turn with the shit, and he was just done. Uh, yeah. And and on and throughout, like, you know, the, the years on the show, I felt like we were fair to him in calling those those performances in real time where it was like, yo, this isn't right. This yeah. isn't like, like, this is going wrong. This is not how this shit should have went. This is not how it should be done. His effort level dropped. We called it. We spotted it. And we knew the guy that was in there based on what happened before that and what's happened since. Yep. And it, he's, he's someone that is, you know, when you start, when I start thinking about this stuff and I start sitting down, I'm just like, yo, I have so many positive, great memories of this guy. Like the first ever AW show, he fucking comes through the crowd. And then like, he like, you know, that the, the original feud with him and Kenny, was just, just breaking like ticket, sale records like people wanted to see them run it so bad um at, at different times he's uh proved himself just to be this 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 every these the things that that's like i'm not even gonna get in the trash into a different guy but um okay. he's uh, he's a part of two great factions um with yep. shield and now the black combat club he will wrestle he wants to he has a great appreciation for Japanese wrestling, which is really cool. And he has these relationships with people like Eddie Kingston. And then uh just seeing like what he's meant to AEW, like he, I could not keep like Moxley made this list like um like I don't know if he would have made my top ten, but he was number eleven. He was the he was the so I was going to twenty. Uh, he he made it comfortably in this. Yeah. Wild thing. Yeah, like I mean the G1 run, just like, what is he doing in G1? And then he does it, and he, like, by the Ishii match, he's like, yo, this match is fucking awesome. Like, but, yeah, uh, number 11 for me, Sasha Banks. Um, number three of the of the four horsewomen uh, on my list. Uh, 
Look, I mean, Sasha is everything I want to see out of a performer in WWE. Like, somebody that gives off star presence, somebody that the fans, you know, give the have the feeling of that is a star, someone that dresses the part at all times. Um, somebody that like that cares. And like not only cares, but like cares and also says, like, I'm not going to it, it, like the to have the and be ballsy about it. It was like the the thing of like, look. I'm great. I'm here to have a great match or the best match I could possibly have. I don't give a damn who it is. If we do botch it and have the confidence where like, if something is fucked up, I don't care. I'm so dope that like, if the shit gets fucked up, people aren't going to be like, damn, that Sasha Banks match sucked. I've had so many of these. It'll be like, damn, that match you had with her that night sucked. You still great. She better get her shit together because this match is bad. Like she gives off that. Um, and like, I've always, you know, and her, her feud with, with, with Bailey is like a keystone moment for me. Um, in, in the, in the run of, of, um, of One Nation Radio. And like, she's just, she's just the best once the bell rings in, from America, from a woman's perspective. She's just, she's the best I've ever seen, uh, from that perspective. And like, I, you know, I hope she comes back, much like we talk about Kota Fuchi. I hope she comes back. I don't know where, don't know when, but like, whenever she shows up, I'm be happy. Like I remember um, when she came back after her hiatus after WrestleMania 20, uh, sorry, uh, 35, and like we were in the middle of the show and I had Raw on. It was funny. Like if you could find the audio, like when she showed up, like in the middle of all of a sudden I yell out and I scream, "Oh, Sasha!" And I, we we had to we stopped the show mid record. This is before we were doing live streams, but like we stopped the show mid record. so I could see what the hell she had, what she was doing, and she came out there. She attacked. Um, uh, Natalia, and you know she took off the uh the, the fuchsia color hair that she normally had the wig off, and then had the blue underneath, and like that's that's what I want. Someone that could they could give me that kind of reaction or uh, that kind of like emotion out of me after like not seeing them for a while because I've missed them. Um, and like one of the things that that um not watching WWE or down you know downcycling is like missing her in that moment and uh, or those moments of like she's in a big match. And like Vince seemingly like when I, there's like something I do not want to watch at all. And like she would go out there and trot out an Oscar, a Bailey, or a horsewoman, and like or especially Sasha, and I'm just like, God damn it, you you've done it again. Like you put you put out a, a, a Oscar and, and Sasha match on Raw randomly for no reason. You you got me for, for, for how long however long it goes. Or like the MSG uh um horsewoman tag match, like stuff like that. Like she she deserves Worthy of the spot on the list could have probably even been higher if not for start the uh, the stardom stuff that like completely changed. Like, but that, part of that is her legacy. Like, we never cover stardom if not for her and Oscar and the rest of the horsewomen. And then you get the EO and then Kyrie stuff to get us to say like we like women's wrestling. Like, there's better women's wrestling out there. Like, we just got to go find it, and we found it. So, um, shout out to Sasha. Number ten. Will Ospreay, um, Will Ospreay, when it's all said and done, might have the most ridiculous match catalog there <laughs> is in the history of wrestling by that point. Uh, there are a lot of people that are taking shots at him because he's taking his lumps right now in, in real time because people are freaking out because they don't know how to process greatness. He originally inspired that rant um, that, that I went on, but he's just like someone that is like, RLPW personified 
He's a tough motherfucker. He chops hard. He does flips, lots of them, uh, in an insane level. Uh, and is flashy. He is um, thoughtful in his matches. Lots of lots gives of gives and takes punishment, and people don't act like that's not the case. He's just a flippy dude that does soft wrestling. Yeah, like he's a um, like a. Like someone that really, we talk about people that give a fuck. He really gives a fuck. Like, and uh, he, I don't think he's even 30 years old yet. He's just like the last, since 2019, I think he's just been just the most talented guy there is. Just like an embarrassment of riches, like, you know, match quality wise. And, you know, I was, I talked about Shingo and, and the effect he had in keeping New Japan fresh. Well, Will's the other side of that coin. Um, when when you program Will in at the top, like I, I've told people, it was, it's not Jay, it's Will. That's the guy. Like that never that, that replaces Kenny Omega here. And you know, I, I was definitely looking for somebody to um, to do that. And he's you know going from being a junior heavyweight that was just like just out of this world to now being a heavyweight wrestler and still being light years ahead of, of the heavyweights now, like for whatever he's gained in mass. And um, he's basically been just this, this phenom, like someone that's going to end up higher on this list. And I feel like this is a dopey ranking, putting him there in the middle at number 10. It's like this guy could end up psh, as high as it gets uh, by, by the time it's, it's said and done. Um, he's, he's a phenom, like Undertaker, give the nickname away. <laughs> Number 10 for me, Becky Lynch. Um, when, when I first saw all the horsewomen, I liked her, but she was my least favorite of the four at the time in NXT, especially 2015. Loved her match that she had um, with when she challenged Sasha for the belt. Great match. Um, and she, you know, she makes it with Sasha and Charlotte. Uh, to the main roster at the same time and you know it's not going great right they, they didn't really want them to wrestle each other because they're not established stars yet and you know they're worried about the ratings so they put them in there with like uh in the weird like team bad and team bella and um page with charlotte and and, and becky and becky is like because she is not some statuesque blonde woman, and she's not like this gorgeous woman with, with fuchsia hair, like she was overlooked um, at the time. Um, they just not, they just didn't see star potential in there. They knew she was talented or whatever else, and they knew that she had the following with the horsewoman for the diehards, the people that was gonna rock with her. That you know, when you know, it comes to these pay per views or whatever else, and like to see that they end up going from that summer to like the thing that tips off for WrestleMania 32 and make it make it click and, and work for Charlotte and for Sasha is like to have the Charlotte tur- heel turn thing and she turns on Becky and like that is like the pathos to make it work and then they have the match and the match is great and then you know they do the brand split uh for SmackDown uh, later in the year, and Becky's the inaugural SmackDown Women's Champion and then they did the thing with with, with get it on Alexa Bliss. Or whatever else and then like she was kind of just floating around in obscurity for a while just trying to find things and doing the pun stuff whatever else and mixed match challenge with Sami Zayn just stay afloat and like she just kept you just like 
everyone likes her. Everyone says all these things about she works hard. Everyone's she's likable. All this stuff, inherent likableness, and like at the time when like it's WWE and Vince is very bad at building baby faces and not understand like people that are inherently likable should be the people you try to push if they have the requisite talent. And then like all it takes is like she gets a random fluke like eight win or six to eight win uh win streak on TV and people are like they're building her. Uh and like they consciously weren't and then it happens with SummerSlam and they, they turned her heel and people were furious and like you know they, they built off their like realizing the mistake they built on like all right we're gonna we're we're going to continue putting her in there with Charlotte and Charlotte keeps getting the boo birds out of the heavens and and Becky keeps eating her up and whooping her ass and jump and putting her in the jump zone every single fucking week and she getting more over and more over and more over and more over and these matches keep getting better and better and better more memorable and then she you know um she wins the championship the next pay-per-view has the last woman standing match and basically like she's the first person to ever like win a feud against Charlotte Flair and then she she basically go face to face like the next day uh, or later in the sh- or after the show with, with Ron, and you're like, oh shit, they're doing that at Survivor Series, and then you get the you know the the bloody face thing, and she basically became legendary that night, and like the run to the man thing was botched, all that kind of stuff. Not we 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 chronicled it, going past that, but she won it in or whatever else, and then um and then she 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 was around, and then she had the, the feud with Sasha that was great, and then she she you know she goes to the pandemic and you find out she's pregnant, she leaves and she comes back and she's like, she's so much even of a, a person I already thought highly of her in the ring anyway, when it came to a big match setting, she's has become just like, can't miss great match, no matter what any point in the big match now, since she's came back. And like, I'm so glad that like, you know, this woman like gave birth months ago and like, she's just back and better than ever. And, like, I, I just really appreciate the grind that she went through and, the, and like, the perseverance to go through all that stuff to be, like, I'm around all these other stars, but I'm a star, too, and I'm going to show you over time. And then, like, ultimately, she ends up she ends up burning brighter than all of them. And, like, that was just, a like, a great uh, time in, in, in for WWE. At a, it was a bleak time, but, like, it was basically her on SmackDown with Charlotte Flair and AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan that are holding up an amrest on her. They're just carrying it. Otherwise, the shit would have cratered. And, like, I, I'll, I'll never forget it for that. And, like, um, just, she was just great. And still is great. Um, and I hope she gets healthy and comes back and she's kicking ass again uh, soon. Number nine, CM Punk. Man, those early years coming back from wrestling, I'm very open about being back because of The Rock. Um, But the reason I stayed was CM Punk. Uh, Just talking about somebody that that ate innings uh, with with promos in WWE um, that was uh, someone that was like putting out top quality at the time where top quality was not that shit was not happening like it is now uh, on, on a weekly basis. Like that shit was, it was, it was a way different world back in like yeah. 2012, yeah. 2013, 2014. Like your CM punks were, were rare um, glimpses into like, you know, what, what else is out there? Um, but I thought he connected with the audience. Like, I think he was the guy that people were just calling for at the time. 
but you know there was John Cena there. Like you're just never going to be over Cena, no matter no matter what. Uh, they made him the champion, but it wasn't quite the, the championship reign that anyone wanted. Uh, when you talk about his 2013, when he had to lose all the part timers, that like uh, like CM Punk is like the like there are a couple of guys that are responsible for um, WWE's relationship with a lot of pro wrestling fans. I think CM Punk is one. Brian Danielson is another. Roman Reigns is another. And John Cena is kind of another in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years in WWE, right? Like it was like the, the indie mega powers and the WWE mega powers. Like, and, uh, like that's, that's just kind of who, who they were and what they were at the time. And of course, like he came back. Um, I think he brought a lot to AEW originally. Um, and even, you know, going forward still, um, obviously there's like, there's an awkward period right now because he's kind of persona non grata. Uh, he, he lost his goddamn mind at that press conference the other week. I've had kind of a week to think about this and perhaps I overreacted because just because I wasn't thinking about like the history of wrestling, right? Where it was like, there's, there would never be a push for to for people to be fired at at any point in the history of wrestling like for a backstage fight like mm-hmm. and I completely overreacted last week and I think you know wow I don't think he's at the level of the top guy of today in the ring um he's still a compelling talker he's someone that uh that gets people going <laughs> and he's he's like um you know He's fighting off Father Time in his own way because he took all those years off, but no one ever forgot him. Um, he's, it, I think, in order to go forward, he does need to um, adapt to like the modern landscape. And I think the more he resists that, he'll have trouble. But for what he was in 2012 and when we were starting to show, like he was like he was a revelation uh, in WWE, and it sucked the way he went out. And, you know, they were doing lawsuits against him and a lot of different things like that. But like which still I, holds weight till today, still ripple yes. effects from today. Yes. So, um, you know, punk is um, he, he's a dynamic. He's a cult of personality, some may say. And he's he's someone that really rile wrestling. He really riles wrestling fans up. Um, and he creates strange bedfellows um, <laughs> when it comes to agendas and uh, everything like that. And it's, you know, I, I've seen like, you know, there have been a lot of AW fans, I think, that were kind of upset with him. But standing with them were your hardcore WWE fans that thought at this time, this is the time to puff our chest out about Vince McMahon in uh, the way he, he, you know, hurt Roman Reigns and all like that. This was all a relitigation on, on him. So um, if you don't understand CM Punk, if you only like have watched him this, this last year, it's been more than this. Like it has yeah. been, it's a lot more like, uh, and maybe you don't get it. Like as far as like, you know, why people care a lot with him. Cause I remember when I first started watching CM Punk, I was like, I don't get it. He's like just this generalist. And then, cause I was like looking at it like, Oh, what's their fighting style? And what's all this, mm-hmm. this stuff like? And I was like, well, what does he do? He's not really a high flyer. He's not really a great technical wrestler. He's kind of sloppy. He doesn't mm-hmm. throw great punches or anything, but he like, once you like just buy into him, like, and he's great at making people buy into him, I think. Uh, and that's why he's on this list. So this is the end of the tier of like the people, like the people that were never at any point in in the last ten years. Someone that I was like, 
oh, light bulb. This is my favorite wrestler. Uh, so this is like the best of the best. Number nine, Kenneth Omega. Man, um, this fucking guy is one of the very best wrestlers I've ever seen. And when I say best wrestlers I've ever seen in the ring, like I'm talking about like we're talking about like top three top two <laughs> like uh if i had to go in my mind of saying like the best pro wrestling matches i've ever seen he might be in he might be in off of the top four <laughs> i have like, a match list on this and, it, and it's disgusting yo like, i mean oh, oh I, I, look i look i can't remember um at, at a certain point i remember saying this on on the show like Okada Omega 1 up to that point was the greatest wrestling match you ever saw. Okada Omega 4 up to that point was the greatest pro wrestling match I ever saw. Still is. Right? And in between, and then in the middle of that, you also had like the the Omega and Naito G1 final from 2017 that Naito won. And I was like, that's the, I think that's the best non Okada Omega match I've ever seen in my life. So he has three of the, it might, like, if I, like, were to write it out or whatever, think about it or whatever else, he probably's in at least three of the four best matches I've ever seen in my life. Um, the dude's an incredibly, like, thoughtful performer and giving performer in, in the ways that, like, I don't think people, think of pro wrestling like the way he does his storytelling is different from like what i think of traditional pro wrestling storytelling of you sell a, you know you 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 the crux of your tension pops up in the match obviously but like also talking about like those vulnerable insecure moments or moments of doubt in the middle of a match or moments of desperation in a match uh are quite frankly for me unparalleled for for, for this dude in like I've been watching him do this at this point at, at, at that high of a level uh, from 2017 to 2018. And I was like, this dude is like incredible. Like, and then to see him move in, in format that in what he does when he was doing it in that realm of it is a fake fight, but we are presenting this around the world of, of sport into now we are in North, North American professional wrestling and, like the way that he has done this, like to continue to carry programs and feuds and story beats has quite frankly been impressive, especially when I thought like at the first, what first three months of it, I thought he was fucking horrible or sandbagging. I was like, what is going on? And then once the dude like, uh, you know, got into the thing with Hangman, then it all started to make some sense to me, and then it kept going, and then like, then he turns the wide edge up once he divorces from from uh, Paige, and like, he's just like the best despicable heel, um, or one of them, and like, to see him have those matches on TV, maybe his, like, his pay-per-view stuff at the time wasn't like that big of a box office type of thing, as far as like the marquee match, but, like, his TV stuff was just incredible. Like, the stuff with Jungle Boy, the stuff with Phoenix. Just, just incredible, incredible, incredible. And, like, I, I, I'm so glad that I ever, I ever saw this dude wrestle. So, <clears throat> number eight, Kazuchika Okada. Um, it's fitting. They're kind of, like, mirrors <laughs> in this. <laughs> um, yo, like, Kazuchika Okada 
is like like I talked about Walter being that mountain earlier in this list. Mm-hmm. Like if he's a mountain, like I don't know what's bigger than a mountain, but it's Okada because like he's the the measuring stick that everyone else figures themselves out against. Like you want to figure out how great you are, you fight Kazushi Okada, Will Ospreay. You fight Kazushi Okada, um Hiroshi Tanahashi. You fight Kazushi Okada, Kenny Omega. You fight Kazushi Okada, Kota Ibushi. You fight Kazushi Okada. Tetsuya Naito, uh, and so on. Like for him to be handed the the keys to the kingdom at 25 years old, a month back into his his call in from excursion, they knew faster than anyone did. They knew that this was going to be the guy that is going to carry this thing forward. While Hiroshi Tanahashi is in his 30s, this is the the guy they picked. This is the guy that delivers in G1s and Wrestle Kingdoms. Like, you talk about somebody owning the Tokyo Dome. Like, they, they need to put a a, 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 a photo or a, they need to carve his face into the side of the building. Uh, however you want to do that. Um, he is, when he came to America this year, it was just, everyone knew who he was. He's headline Madison Square Garden. Um, he is... Like he's not the most like he's not the person you root for, right? When, when when you see this stuff, and he's still like I think pulls respect out of anybody that watches him because of the way he puts the matches together, it's like the New Japan house style, the finishing sequences, like has become a staple of this time. Um, talked about the amount of matches that that Will Osprey has. Okada's right there with him. Um, he did at such a young age, you wonder how far he's going to continue like to go um, going forward. But talk about the best championship reigns. Like it's like Kenta Kobashi and Kazushi Okada. And he's like, like, like it, it meant so much to me that Kenny Omega was able to beat him. And it, the reason that it was, is because it was Okada. Like, I don't think there will ever be a better win in wrestling than like than Kenny beating that guy for the championship. Like I don't know like who exists to make it feel like that but Okada. And it's like when when Kabachi dropped the title, it wasn't to set up like this it wasn't this all-time thing to set up like this next guy that was like the greatest match I've ever seen and, and things like that. He's um like I what he did with Tanahashi um he has a stoic he's a stoic guy he's the modern anoki i think and he's wearing that that damn um <laughs> he's wearing the 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 gi the like him this year the robe this year and it's just like however long this guy's around he's going to be able to be great forever because like he's not like everyone else takes the risk against him like <laughs> he's going to be able to be great forever um you know, like Rick Ross said, Rich forever. Kazushi Okada, great forever. Like, and from the time he was young to the time he gets old, like, it'll be like he can figure out any style of wrestling wrestling instantly. Um, the only thing he didn't really quite figure out was the money clip, how, how to implement that. The money uh, clip's gotten better. The money clip's gotten, gotten better. better. Uh, but as far as instantly, um, he's, he's, he's a phenomenon. Like, um, like just just a king of, of, of the, 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 the king of sports. The king is right there. 
Number eight for me, like everybody that from eight to one at this point has at some point been my favorite wrestler over the O&R years. Number eight, AJ Styles. Man, like it was a it was a bleak it was a bleak and rough time. Like um once Daniel Bryan retired and I had no, or was basically put off TV and then eventually had to retire. But now I was just like, I don't have an outlet of a person that is my guy that like, there's a match on and I can't wait to see it this week for on SmackDown or Raw or what have you. And, and see this person go to work in the way that I, it was with, with, with Danielson. Um, and then he shows up, uh, you know, and like I had already seen, I had heard from him about heard about him when we were covering uh starting O R, especially when you were covering um or you were watching TNA and you know Aces and Ace and all that shit. But uh like I had heard the name, you know, the rep you heard the reputation, all that kind of stuff, and like this dude is so great, but like he'll never get into WWE and all that kind of stuff, and then he goes to New, New Japan and like, you know, the match he had with Nakamura was that was my first time ever seeing him wrestle. And I was like, yo, this match is incredible. This dude's fucking great. And then the next thing you know is like two days, like a week later, or whatever you hear like work. I'm like, oh, him and Nakamura are coming to WWE. What? And then he shows up at the Rumble, and you know people people had their talk of his TNA, and and it's so small time, and he comes out with music that people had never heard before, and they and the great camera from Kevin Dunn, they missed, they missed the spot of, of going up there and saying, I am phenomenal, but whatever. We'll never get that back. Same thing with edges return, but whatever. Um, he comes out, the crowd loses shit. He's in Orlando. It's TNA country. They're, they're losing the shit. He comes out there and he mixes it up. And then he's in there with Jericho. And then he's in there with, with, with Roman. And that, I've quite frankly, that's still my favorite singles, Roman feud. Um, and then he gets to Cena. And, like, they had gave him guy after guy after guy to go out there and do it with. And he was having great matches left and right. And then he goes out there with Cena. He beats Cena. And, like, he basically just shows up on SmackDown during the, when they start the brand split back up. And he's just fucking on everybody's neck. Just killing it every single week. Um, like, I remember um, during, like, the build towards Mo- or not Moxley, Ambrose and, and AJ Styles. Like, they're doing a match with him and Ziggler of AJ Styles and Ziggler and they have Ambrose on commentary and Ambrose is like incredulously laughing at like the kickouts in the things they're doing in this match with Dolph fucking Ziggler. He's like, yo, they're just tearing it down. And that was like the kind of thing you were getting from him. Like basically like every other week on TV and on pay-per-view and like, it's like the dude was just like consistently four stars, four and a quarter, just is a great wrestler in like, you know, as you mentioned, like he was like that for like a year and a half, like year and a quarter, year and a half, and then you start seeing like ups and downs, ebbs and flows, or whatever else. After he took his foot off the gas and the age, or whatever else, and then you find out like that year where he starts taking his foot off the gas, like he's wrestling with a torn hamstring the whole time. Like the dude was just was just incredible, and like for all the and he answered every doubt the same way that like a CM Punk answered every doubt being on that that particular stage. Same thing with Danielson, and like that made me appreciate like what I 
that 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 short period of time where he's like, this dude is like the best in-ring performer I've ever seen in main roster WWE. And like that year, like he literally lifted the tide of all boats in, in match quality for, uh, that year in WWE main roster. Where it's like, you got Roman Reigns having like multiple four-star matches. You got Kevin Owens having multiple four-star matches. You have Ma- or Ambrose having multiple four-star matches and all this kind of stuff. And this is like at a time where it's like, we just lost Danielson. Like we have... Uh, you have Cena coming and going at the time, and it, it was a weird time, but, like, that dude was like, it's fine, I'm going to have good, I'm going to have great feuds, I'm going to have great matches, and just, like, I'm not the guy, but I'm going to, I'm just going to try so hard that, like, just through, like, force of personality and will, like, I'm going to get myself to where, like, I'm in, I'm in a rock's throw of being, like, a merch seller on, on the level of Roman Reigns. By the t- by the, the beginning of or by spring of 2018, where like it's that close, where like he's Roman's barely number one, and he's on the in AJ's doing it on the B show. Like the dude was just incredible, um, and I'll never forget him. Number seven, <clears throat> Tomohiro Ishii. Man, um, I like you know since I was a big Shawn Michaels fan, I learned how to look at wrestling through losing in sometimes like and watching like what people do in losses that really resonate with me. Um, and there's been, there's no one that's left on my list that has lost more big time matches. And then, then Tomori Ishii, his role is not to win. His role is to go out there and fight and to, to leave everything he has in the ring. And every year I know he's not going anywhere. I know he's not going to the dome. Uh, even though I, I would drum up the agenda like it needs to be somewhere each time all the time just to drive it home on what a special wrestler this is. The the ultimate sprint wrestler, the the just the kicking out at one, the no selling, the the fighting spirit. Um, and then I, I learned, you know, from Josh, like, you know, he's like this through the line of like Ricky Choshu and the way Choshu affected um, wrestling in Japan in the 80s, like when they were just taking forever to do everything. The matches were long and drawn out. He was this shock to the system. These short, explosive matches. And Ishii was, was similar um, in, in that respect to, to what Choshu is um, in, in these days. But, you know, he wasn't ever like a top guy or anything, but he's... um also an, an ultimate like he's a plug and play guy like Shingo um any any wrestler can, there is the Ishii match everyone can have because it's not like all that complicated but what he does he's a master of subverting expectations yes he is a just underrated footwork great footwork great all-time seller and I, he i think translated in a, in a lot of ways like you know, have we always heard like why Japanese wrestlers wouldn't translate to America or American fans? And a lot of that stuff ended up to be bullshit. Like right. once I got to watch a lot of Japanese wrestlers, but like he's someone that would have cut through that bullshit analysis because he, he comes to America, he goes to the UK, he's a god. Everybody loves him. Um, you know, I got to meet him in 2018. That was really cool. Um, and Ishii, like, He's never going to win, but he doesn't need to. It's imagine if he won. <laughs> <laughs> imagine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Number seven for me, Bailey. Um, Man, y'all don't know. 
for the, some of y'all might know, but for most of y'all, y'all do not know. People that are listening, people that are still watching on the stream, y'all do not know the level of fan I was for this for this underdog, baby face dork with, with her indie gear on. Uh, like, I I just thought that it was so um, earnest of like she she is like comes in um, from wherever she came from. Obviously, place like Shimmer, for example, um, like she comes in and like she is like almost like the childlike slash like small a kid from a small town that goes to the big cities amongst the stars and is starstruck. Um, but she believes in herself, and then like she has a couple of uh you know bad run-ins with and gets taken advantage of the new city. And like it, from that point on, she just keeps continuing to grow and grow. Like you know, left you left your bag in your car when you parked it. Well, you come, you you show up, and all of a sudden, like, oh, that that window smashed. <laughs> that window smashed, and that bag's took. Um, like to see her, like gave, gave her phone number out a couple times to the wrong people. I, I'm going to move on from that. I'm not. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into that. That don't sound like Drake lyrics, <laughs> but. But uh, th- th- like to overcome like those things that you stumble and you fall and you grow and then she like gets her moment um at Russell at uh, I almost said Russell Kingdom at uh Brooklyn NXT Brooklyn and like has that all time match and like with Sasha and then like so inspiring it was like I've never gone to I've never been to NXT or, or the PC or whatever or at full solo time and we're like. And then during the rematch, I was like, hey, Rich, we got to go. And, like, let's tell you, like, what it was at that time. It was like, I had told, two times this happened. Like, they have NXT house shows all throughout this area. Like, people talk, talk about, like, the Largo Loop. Like, they have them in Minareg Hall in Largo. They would have them in Tampa, um, but close to uh, University of South Florida's campus. And, like, we would kind of go regular. Uh, uh, not necessarily regular, but we would go pretty often. And at a certain time, I had, I had put my foot down. Nasty agenda. I am not giving NXT another another bit of my five or ten dollars, whatever the hell them cheap ass tickets were, uh, for to see these house show loops until until uh, Bailey wins his fucking belt. Like I had had enough. Like <laughs> I was fed up. Um, and by that point in time, you know she won, and like first house show, first house show, I'm there. <laughs> That's all I wanted to see was all I wanted to see was Bailey with the fucking belt, and like. Um, to see like her as a champion and like her surviving like you know like the almost like the Ric Flair Vader thing with her and Nia Jax um at a time and then like she puts over Oscar on the way out um and like we didn't know what the hell that was as far as like she just got her ass handed to her she just like Oscar just shut off her water but it's like she went on her sword to a better champion one you know one all time great NXT champions ever in Oscar uh and Bailey was a great champion too but like. I, I lost my train of thought, but I'm getting, getting back to it. Like, that point, like, to see that rematch, the Iron Woman match, like, those tickets for Full Sail will always just be sold out in a snap. And people will, like, you go to a taping, you can line up and get the next set of tickets. So you always see the same people in those crowds, right? Um, and, like, me and Rich, like, found a pair of tickets to that, to NXT, was it, I can't remember when they made a takeover, but it, it, had, the the, it, had, it had the, it had the, yeah, yeah, the end. They had the finals. Elsa had the finals of uh, the, no, the first ever Dusty Cup. It was something else. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah. So, 
Mirish found a pair of tickets, but they were in fucking Orlando. We live 120 miles away from Orlando. I drove the day before that show to Orlando to get those physical tickets. Drive the fuck back. Then the next day, go get rich and then drive out back all the way to Orlando. And keep in mind, it's not necessarily Orlando. It's Winter Park, which is on the other side of Orlando. Um, to go to that show, sit in line in that hot fucking sun for hours to see that Iron Woman match and be in like, and then see that match and be totally satisfied. And like, I would have done it and knowing what I know now and how it worked out, all that kind of stuff. I would have done it a hundred times over again. That's how much I enjoyed like that whole experience. And like, like she was just awesome. And like, she got to the main roster and she had, she's had a number of great matches, everything. I'm not, I'm obviously I'm cool with her now as far as like where the character is. Cause it's not, it's not anything like what I, what it was. Um, and obviously they, they bungled, you know, with the, this is your life thing, whatever else. But like when she first came up, she felt like the biggest deal and like a chance to be like the, the female John Cena. And like, she's one of those lotto tickets or things of hope when she came in, like when she came in there, uh, the tag with Sasha, it's like, she just felt a big deal when she was doing like the, the collab thing. She was hanging out with new Day. It just felt like, look at these fucking great, like old baby face hanging out with each other, having a good time. Like she just gave you, she just gave me like the feel joy and good of pro wrestling, um, that you, you know, at times do not get. And like, <laughs> that, I mean, I get that out of stardom now, quite frankly. Yeah. But yeah, like Bailey's definitely, uh, way high on this list um but yeah uh had to have made it number six kota abushi um possibly the most versatile wrestler to ever live um i think he at his peak athletically is possibly the greatest high flyer i've ever seen you know shouts to ricochet and will osprey as well but um you know also ricochet another person that could have made this list under yeah. the right circumstances yeah um but Obushi, with the MMA practicing, the kicks, the flips, this man was born to be a RLPWer. Um, <laughs> he was born to wrestle. He's self-trained. Um, he's an absolute loon, um, which is which helps because like no one quite ever knows what Kota Ibushi is thinking. Uh, he may set up, you know, a triangle ring federation. He may take bumps on the asphalt. He may give you one of the greatest matches you've ever seen in your life. Um, he, you know, obviously, like, he's like, you know. Stand on top of a car and fire Roman candles into his chest for funsies. Yes. Like, there was, like, um, I, I got introduced to Ibushi the same as James did against Shinsuke Nakamura. And I love Nakamura. I came out of, like, it watching Nakamura. But the guy whose archive I wanted to dig into was Ibushi's because I was like, yo. He has that. When I saw the Golden Triangle for the first time. I was like, I was just be, befuddled, dumbfounded. Right. I was just like, people do this? What? Right. Like, like, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, that's like, these guys are like super fucking athletic out here doing this shit. And then, no, just him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, since you and I wasn't flipping like this, like, no. um, so like, I, would, I watched his junior stuff, uh, learned about his career, learned he had this tag team with Kenny Omega back in the day. Um, he had a couple weird periods of his career, like the Tiger Mask W stuff, his excursion to WWE, which, uh, you know, we enjoyed the Cruiserweight Classic. And uh, the cool thing was that he didn't sign and he came right back to New Japan to be a part of that golden era 
uh, the golden age that happened. And every time I watched Kota Ibushi, I didn't know what it was going to be, but it could be like this this match with Taichi where he just fucking decides to kick the whole time. It could be um, him and Tomohiro Ishii just like in a amazing 16-minute sprint. I, I did a word-for-word recap uh, of like, I've never done that for any other match in the history of One Nation Radio. I wrote every single thing that happened and then shared it in audio form. It was incredible. G1 2018, uh, if you haven't seen that match. So violent. Um, and I, too, was very happy when he got to win the IWGP championship. I wasn't thrilled with some of the booking that was around him. And I think people infantil- inf- I I'm trying to think of the word, infantilize him. Like, they treat him like he's a baby instead of a grown adult. Um, he's like... Just, just from an athletic standpoint, he's just a picture perfect pro wrestler. Um, I, I can't imagine like, like having a, this list and not having a bushi on it, and just like, it, there's one more Japanese wrestler that's higher than him on this list for me, um, and I look at Ibushi and he's just like they all do different things well like the 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 great japanese wrestlers of this era like tanahashi mm-hmm. or okada or naito or ibushi like and he's he's the heir you know mm-hmm. he's for for me when i think of ibushi i think of the aerial uh, theatrics the the fighting spirit and just the um just just always unexpected from what he, what he's going to bring to the table number 6 for me tam nakano um, if you, if, if we start going down this list, you will start noticing, like, I like a good underdog baby face and man, like starting out from watching her, um, get a title shot, uh, against Momo Watanabe and like send her dream and her focus on like singles after like, she could just couldn't like get this tag thing thing going with Mayu after she wanted it so bad. It's never <laughs> happened. Um, as a, as just a two t- two person tag team. And then she has the match and it's very good. And like, I'm like, okay, so like they're clearly setting this up as like, she's going to eventually win this thing. And like over the time, the storyline of like, you know, somebody else got in the way of her and, and Mayu's tag team of Arissa Oshiki coming in. And then like Arissa wins the white belt, steals her dream. And like, she is like, I, I can't like, I keep trying, I keep trying, I keep trying to do things and achieve things. And like, it keeps getting taken from me and I, or I fail. And like, she reached a breaking point of like, just disrespect and childish behavior with Hoshiki. And like, Hoshiki is like a bit of a, like airhead. And so she doesn't understand, like this woman wants no parts of her, but like they're in the same faction. So they're like coexisting. And like, Tam seems like she wants to like find ways to like throw her, like to, throw her off a moving train or a bus. Uh, but whatever. Um, so they, Tam rebuilds and they end up getting to the match and like the matches from emotional standpoint, like just blows me away of like the level of just like, you can all, all the stuff that they built leads is gets in thrown into the match of like seeing the emotions of like jealousy and like inferior inferiority complexes and all that kind of stuff. And like, from from Tan's perspective, and then like Arisa Oshiki's perspective, like I really actually enjoy you and like you. I want you to love me. I will beat you until you love me. Um, 
like come out in that match and like then after that they become like all right here's the deal we're gonna become a tag team like literally like in the pre-match after match promos like we're gonna become a tag team and like the promise is you don't dare don't you dare lose that belt to anyone else and hoshiki's like i'll hold on to it the next time you you want it the next time you want a shot for it and like obviously hoshiki's retirement and everything threw that wrench into that but like after that, like she she rebuilds and, and goes in that, that that incredible feud of of just like two people that like are hell bent on like maybe they're not the best athletes in the world or the most smooth like technicians, but like they are just driven to an extent that I don't think I've ever seen two other wrestlers to like put on great performances in big matches between Julia and Tam and the things they're willing to do in matches to get a match over. Um and also make their other their their co their people that are wrestling like in the big matches also like look great too, like to put them two together like two people that are like Michael Jordanly maniacally driven to do that and they have those matches, um, and like you know Tam ends up becoming a bigger star Julia becomes a bigger star they're they're like lifetime rivals at this point and Tam eventually takes the belt off of Julia. And and Tam has her white belt run of of this built on literally like, well, Tam like you were you were just the best at having these feuds with everybody for the white belt that like we couldn't find anybody else to actually build a division around and and then Tam's like no problem, I'll make a new division out of all my challengers and then you look around and you see like Kamatani and Kid and Nasapoy and like they're gonna be the next white belt champions Kamatani already is the next white belt champion like she she's for me. She's the most important person for the white belt ever. Um, in my opinion, right? Like, obviously, people would be like, no, use a pawn because she can't start a promotion without her. But, like, outside of that, it's her. Um, and, like, to see, like, where she is, is a, from the start off is, like, the learning more about the promotion, like, before I started watching, finally, like, she came in and she's, like, a, a comedy manager for, for the bad guys. And now, like, she's a leader of women of, like, her own faction. Like, the, the incredible, like, arc of maturation and growth over like a from 2017 to now is like incredible and now like she's a she's on top of the world she's you know recently like she's at worst like number two biggest star in the company um she seems you know one of these days she might win the red belt she she might not she might retire or whatever else who knows but like this run that she's been on like narrative wise and like program building wise and long-form storytelling is like some of the best stuff I've ever seen from anyone from anywhere. And like, I, I so happy that like, I happened to like have started watching a couple weeks before all of this stuff kind of started, um, for, for her. And like, she gets better in, in the ring every single year. It's, it's amazing. Like she used to stink, like flat out suck. And now she's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Like it's been very uh, rewarding, uh, watching her, watching her, uh, growth over the, over the, the years. So yeah, she's number six for me. Number five, the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, he, I talked about Kata being new Japan, but before that, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi is new Japan. He saved new Japan. Um, there's a, a rant that comes from this show when Tanahashi won the G one There's one of two rants that exists, uh, that are out there. And, I was so happy for Tanahashi. Um, you talk about somebody fighting off father time, being tough forever, being the ultimate old school guy, just finding 
finding ways out to be current, finding ways to be current, to uh, push his greatness, to, to really max out his ability. Um, and he didn't have it, you know, easy. He had the whole stabbing incident at the beginning of his career. He came, he came to prominence like at the tail end of like a Nokiaism that damn near killed the company. And he just rebuilds New Japan in his image. Um, it I would I got to meet Tanahashi once as well, and that was like something I'll always remember. Um, and he has been a part of so many legendary, like great matches that I've wanted him to win. Um, just you know, even when it didn't make no damn sense, like it was just <laughs> like you know, um, like there's a like I remember his title challenge um, at Dontaku in 2018, where it was like, yeah, bro, you might not ever beat Okada again. And he actually ended up beating Okada again later that year. Uh, but at that time, it was like the rivalry had already been decided. He was literally just trying to hold on to this one thing he had, which was the pay-per-view defense record or the, the championship defense record. And he just like laid it all out and to, to lose to one Rainmaker um, that Okada was just like, one of the most special matches I've ever seen. I remember seeing um, him and Kenny main event, the dome Kenny's last match in new Japan. And uh, if there were, there was a lot of people that could have been in the ring with him where I would have been like, yo, this don't feel right. Like, and part of me felt like it didn't feel right because Tanahashi kind of was, it was like a, uh, it was like a kind of to the past thing. It was like, all right, we'll pop it on Tanahashi for now, but it just didn't feel right. But um, if he had to lose to someone else, like I would, like, I didn't mind Tanahashi being in that spot mm-hmm. uh, to to basically like wrap Kenny's um you know time in New Japan up and his G one run before that 2018 and um just seeing him being this elder statesman we talk about people that are giving like he builds a main eventer in the middle of his prime uh, I always call Okada and Tanahashi Federer and Nadal and <laughs> it's like. Yeah. And it's like yeah. the person just pops up and just starts beating your ass in the middle of your prime. You can't do shit with them. And it's like you just got to fight them off until time says you can't anymore. And he's done a just an admirable job from to this day walking in the forbidden door and turning the crowd against John Moxley. Like possibly the greatest baby face I've ever seen. Um, Way up there. Like he's just uh, connects with you. Uh, on an emotional level, he connects with you like on a visceral level, like where you're just yelling at, at, at him to either to fire up or like there's so many great matches in his catalog that he can um, that you can reference. Um, I think I watched I think it was earlier this year. We were watching Dominion 2012 and it was when he won the belt back from Okada for the first time. And it was just like this guy's so fucking great. G1 finals 2007 against Yuji Nagata. Um, the the slaps that that he would make, you know, he walked through from from Kota Ibushi. He is someone that just understands how to get the most out of his body and his mind in wrestling, which is a high high regard. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's the fucking ace. Yeah, number five for me, Mayu Watani. Um, <laughs> I love an underdog baby face. <laughs> this woman started as somebody that was the last person uh, in the opening or the inaugural dojo class of stardom to get a win, uh, to score a victory. Uh, <clears throat> it took her 11 months. 
that's still the rookie record for the longest time it takes to get anyone in starting to get a, to get a win. <laughs> uh, people thought that she people speculated and thought like she wasn't going to make it. She wasn't going to pass her her her, her, her pro rep, her protest. She wasn't going to make it, and she made it. And um, to go from there to like within like two years to be someone that they want to highlight, um, and and like put on the marquee with. Than I and EO and like even early on with Kyrie, like even in the first year of Kyrie, they knew like they knew what they had with Kyrie. Um, but do you see you see someone like the posters and like she just was like this this country bumpkin that they that they were like, she's good, but we don't know, we don't really know what we have in her, or we don't really know if she can like be a top star, and then over time, like, you know, she she rolls the occasion and she becomes a champion and like her title run doesn't go really long, and because she she ends up dislocating her elbow in the middle of the match, they have to give the belt off to um to Tony Storm. But like she comes back and she rebuilds, and then like by the time we start watching, she's Mayu Watani. She's the last top star they have. Like after New Japan, after uh WWE bring or you know goes to get Kyrie, goes to get EO. Uh, EO fails her test because of her neck. They give her, they get another year with EO to keep building around, uh, to keep, to build up Momo because Momo was 18 at the time. Um, and they put the build on Kagetsu. Like, it's, it's basically, it's up to Kagetsu and, and Mayu to keep this thing afloat. And they held it together. And then, like, you know, the younger wrestlers come through between Azuki and, and Momo. And, you know, Hannah, Hannah signs on. Um, and Tam, you know, becomes better. And, like, you know, she, she ends up tearing her MCL in, like, December 2018, and she's struggling and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the call is, well, woman of honor, they want to do something to stardom. She just tore ACL, or sorry, her MCL. What do you got? And they sent her out there a couple months later to go wrestle Kelly Kine. She becomes a champion. Um, and she brings it back to stardom, and she has a fucking killer match with, with Konami. It was, like, a four-and-a-quarter star match. Um, that's Kelly Klein problem. That's, that's not my time. She's out here with a torn MCL or recovering from a torn MCL. And she's still great. And then like by that time, like after watching all of her previous stuff, um, from earlier in the decade and then watching her on a weekly basis on, in stardom, like I just grew to like love watching this woman every, every chance I got in like, you know, very much like the Bailey stuff of just like this earnest, this, earnestness and like also like the Kyrie stuff just being like this dork that's cluts and clumsy and stuff and like it actually makes you like her more that she's a that she's like a I uh, I was gonna say a politically incorrect term but like she's such a goofball and but it's fun loving and like to see her uh like get the belt back and, and have that title reign that like she couldn't have uh after being EO finally after three tries um in two thousand seven or sixteen and seventeen like finally have the ace run and she's fucking incredible and like pandemic happens it's very much like Moxley but it's like it don't matter the t- it don't matter the venue it don't matter the match she's going to go out there and she's trying to go get four stars every single time like I, I quite honestly like two thousand twenty I don't think any wrestler had more four star matches than her that I saw. Don't matter the promotion. It was her. Um, and, like, she was carrying the company. Carrying the company on her back. Like, I think by the time we finished 2020 Stardom's, like, best matches, like, we had to make a rule. Like, she can't be in more than four of them. Because she would have been in, like, six of them. She was incredible. And then, the, obviously, the uh, the two matches with Takumi take it, take a, take it to another level. But, like, you know, um, I, I just think that she is, like, 
the Tanahashi of stardom in that way. Like she stayed, she 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 helped plant seeds for the next generation and Tam and 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 Tam and uh, you know Arissa when Arissa was still around and like had the fuse with Kagetsu, had you know was gonna have the feud with Han- with Hannah, but Hannah, you know, uh she she passed. And like still going forward, like I I still trust her more than basically anyone except for Shuri in a big man situation at this point. Like she's just great. Um and like I you know, same thing with Tim. I don't know how much longer this thing gonna last, but like I'm gonna enjoy the hell out of him while I still got him around. For sure. Number four, the Young Bucks. Matt and Nick Jackson. Um, the ultimate tag team. They dress alike. They wrestle alike at times. They have a similar sense of like self, uh, creating being the elite, um, just being, just having the, the most ridiculous match catalog for tag teams that anyone could ever uh, pull up. Um, like you pull up the cage match and it's disgusting. Um, baby face, heel, um, any type of match, regular rules, uh, street fights, uh, anything. The the fashion, the evolving their look over time, uh, the the obvious like callbacks to like you know their historical peers, and then just like completely outdoing them. Like when it comes to like their mind for the business, like literally changing wrestling as a tag team not in wwe through ring of honor through new New japan they they sure killed the business um for sure like throughout like with pwg every promotion all the belts ftr likes to talk about seven star ftr and that's great for them but if we're talking about all the different belts somebody has won we would have to do like 21 star young bucks in that case like these guys have earned the right to to write whatever check they want to cash at this point. These guys were millionaires. They like, you know, they say people was rich before rap. Like they uh-huh. were rich before AW like <laughs> like came along. Um they these guys are multi-millionaires. Like we're talking about like I when I met these guys, I told them they're the real DIY. Like I'm a big proponent of doing things yourself and the Bucks took the long, hard way up, like coming up through the backyards and the Indies in California and wrestling tons of Lucha guys and just figuring it all out, like in every promotion they've ever been in. They are possibly the the single most plug and play act there is, um, no matter where it is. Um, I think they have like they're the greatest tag team of all time. I think they're a first ballot observer hall of famers the day they go in they've drawn at a level that tag teams normally don't they've the tandem offense i think they're stefan clay essentially of wrestling um they never have bad matches like and it's and they will like they, they can carry teams they can um work with people at their level they never disappoint it is you don't watch a young bugs match and be like oh what out uh, that was that was it like they're part of like the you know the elite which i think is the greatest fashion in wrestling history just the way they've adjusted wrestling like it's unparalleled in a sense like um you you can have an argument for like scott hall and kevin nash but that's all that's a way different like argument i think like through the strength of their work their promotional style their um 
like their meet and greets and like creating like being the elite. They literally created another way to get over. Like, all right, we're not like the the most like 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 Matt's a good talker. Nick doesn't really talk as much, but they're going to create this thing that allows them to get themselves over and other people to get over. They're selfless. They are um, just like uh, uh, like have no problem like doing business with like pretty much whoever. And I am like like between Bucks and Lovers and then Bucks Kenny Hangman. Like we're talking about Pantheon level matches. Uh, their rivalry with the Lucha Brothers, which is like the stuff like a book should be written on it. Like uh, we're talking about brother matchups and stuff like that. Like it's they're so far ahead of like most of the field. It's not even funny. Like it's it's like when Mark Jackson was trying to tell people this is the greatest back back um, shooting back shooting backcourt ever. Right. And in 2013, we're like, what? And people were like, what? And then I, I'm trying to tell people in real time, like, the Young Bucks are so far ahead of, like, the 80s and 90s tag teams that, like, were never on this level. Like, just output-wise and um, affecting wrestling the way they have. Like, AEW doesn't start if it's not for Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson. Um like they're the they're they're the the call that Tony Khan starts this promotion with, and they're like met had it you know was fortunate to meet the Bucks once and um it was it, it was it was great and I think they are as long as they're going to keep going because you know the a common theme here with a lot of these guys yeah. like they got it going like at a young age relative to when one nation radio like began and then they're like they were like in their mid 30s or like you know possibly heading like to their 40s right like but the bucks like have maximized this decade almost like no one else like there's no long gaps of inactivity there's like they're winning tag team of the year every year damn near these are special special people like you're gonna see a lot of people and you guys have seen a lot of people try to tear these guys down. A lot of people have nasty agendas against these guys, whether it's for how they look, their per- perceived toughness or not, or lack of toughness. Um, but when we start talking about the scoreboard and laying it down, exactly what their resume is, can't fuck with Matt and Nick Jackson. Number four, right? Number four. Yeah. Kazuchika Okada, um, man, like I, growing up, I've been I watched wrestling as long as I can remember from um, from WCW and WWF, and you know even dabbled in some ECW uh, before wrapping it up in two thousand <clears throat> two thousand, and then came back in two thousand eleven after watching you know only watching WrestleManias from WrestleMania twenty five on the two thousand eleven. And um, I I thought I knew what I needed to know about wrestling. It is what it is. Like you go in there and you have your match, and it's it's very fun or whatever else. And like matches are great at a certain level. And then like I watched New Japan Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom nine or, uh, the first time, and like that shit broke my brain. I, I had I had no idea that like this this kind of stuff was achievable. And like obviously you, you talked about Nakamura versus um, versus Abushi being the semi main event of that show, and obviously you have Abushi flying around everywhere in the Golden Triangles you mentioned, but to see Tanahashi and Okada 
like do what they did in the ring and like Okada is if if nothing else just basically like in my opinion watch him move around the ring like oh he's Japanese Orton but like he's better than Orton will ever be in any lifetime or any other alternate reality um it's and like it just it's like bro we're like I I, can't, I don't know if I can I remember saying to you like I don't know if I can watch this stuff since it basically it will ruin me on WWE it did I don't watch this shit no more <laughs> and it has to do with like the fact that like this stuff is just so high level and creative and thoughtful in a way that like in in with, with pacing it's not like not in a way that feels like uh it's put on like the 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 selling feels real it feels like sport and and to see Okada do all this stuff and have these incredible matches whether it's you know, in the dome with Naito, or in the dome with with Omega, or in the dome with Tanahashi, or in the dome with Shingo, over the years, um, or in the dome with with Osprey, or in Budokan Hall with Osprey, or in Bo- or you know, or just around anywhere, like doing all this stuff. Like I don't remember where they were with Shibata, the Shibata match. I can't remember, but Shibata Sumo West. Hall, Sumo Hall, and just to just to see all of that over these years, and like this is not some dude that is like, you know just beaming down your door with like the gifts of of a you know um of Willa Osprey or a Kota Ibushi or a Kenny Omega. Uh he like he might actually have all that stuff. He doesn't need to use that stuff. He's that fucking good. He just comes out here and he wrestles a style that could be that could have translated to any style we've ever seen in the history of, in our lifetime anyway. I'm not even gonna far back to fucking Luthas not doing it. But like <laughs> In the last 35, 40 years of wrestling, his style could have could have matched up anywhere as a main event style or whatever else and things he does. And is not out of place. He's not doing cartoonish selling, whatever else. He's just better at the at the basics than anyone I've ever seen at a repeatable, like ridic- at, at an unrepeatable level. And it's just ridiculous in like, I don't know how you I don't know how someone achieves that. I, it's mind boggling. Like to me, he's like pro wrestling's LeBron, where it's like this super young prodigy. Is he doing things that like? Is he doing some things on the floor that no one has ever done before? Not necessarily, but for some fucking reason, like no one's ever done it better necessarily. It is wild. Like he's not necessarily someone like that captures the imagination. Like say a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant or an Allen Iverson or whatever else in that way of crash of the crash and burn type of factor of a finesse guy or whatever else or a smaller guy or whatever was in basketball. When I'm making a comparison to LeBron, like he's not like a Rey Mysterio Jr. or um or Okoto Abushi. He's not. Absolutely not. Osprey. Absolutely not. But like for some fucking reason, he's just better than them. And it make and it's like I don't understand I I I fully understand it, yet I still haven't figured out how and why. It, it's almost like the Tom Brady thing where it's like, he doesn't have the best arm. But this fucking guy won seven titles. How or, like it, he's just better at this than everybody, but there's no discernible thing that you can see like, uh, tangibly to, to, to figure out how, but he keeps fucking doing it and he keeps ticking. He just had the my favorite match. He had the best match I've seen this year, just a, like a month ago, three weeks ago or whatever else. He keeps doing it. And he's been a standard, you know, ever since, he, uh, ever since he got the title back, um, at Russell Kingdom 10 and like the dude just keeps trucking and like outside of a blip of, he might have back issues. We don't know where it'll, the day's over be this good anymore. 
months later, he just shuts that shit down. Nah, still, still, the, still the greatest. Like, <laughs> like by the time this thing is all said and done and all everything's added up, like he's gonna be the greatest pro wrestler of all time. Period. He's gonna be like he's gonna be like how we used to think of like a a rod like oh he's gonna hit eight hundred home runs he's gonna hit eight hundred home runs like what is there to discuss like that's where we are with him and he's already at like fucking seven hundred home runs it feels like maybe he's like thirty four he's just incredible he's just incredible greatest wrestler I've ever seen in my he's the greatest pro wrestler I've ever seen just is number three Chris Jericho. <sighs> A man that's on this list, when you look at the ages of everyone else, what is he still doing here? I'll tell you what he's still doing here. You can never (coughs) count out Chris Jericho. It has been the agenda all year. It has been the agenda for as long as this show has existed. Chris Jericho was on last my list last time. He's on it this time at number three. Three, I tell you. He is the wrestler that I have watched since I was a child, literally a seven-year-old. And WCW Saturday Night, Thunder, Nitro, WCW Pro, WCW Worldwide, and going over to WWF and hoping that he got to be the man there and he wins it. And um, I... You know, when Shawn Michaels laid down as a kid, everyone was like, "Yo, Chris Jericho's the next Shawn Michaels." Like that was like the whole thing. But like, I never really saw them as like similar wrestlers. I'm like, yeah, they're, they got they both got blonde hair or whatever. But um, it, it was like he was the the star of the the, the cruiserweight division in WCW. He had all the personality, all the mic skills. I read all of his books just through the end. I come into doing One Nation Radio with James in 2012. At this point, Jericho has been back for the the program with CM Punk. Yep. Going into WrestleMania 28. I feel vindicated already because I, I just like talk about how much I love Chris Jericho before like that whole run set off. And then like little did I know, like, you know, as much as I like Jericho from the everything I put together like in 2008 and everything before that, essentially as a kid, he unleashed like the second half of his career from like 2012 to now. And he might be the single most or he's, he's, he's like, when we talk about wrestlers making an impact on wrestling and then like figuring it out, what he needs to do to stay ahead, even as like, the uh, like I said, this was kind of about Tanahashi too. As his body fails him, like how do you stay ahead? And Chris Jericho's older, like there's almost been never been a high level wrestler at this age still like like him. Like and you know people are gonna say yeah, Minoru Suzuki's there. I feel like they're doing two different things. Like you can't. I don't think you can make Minoru Suzuki a main eventer right now. You can make Jericho a main eventer right now. He's his promos have continued to get sharp. Um, he has found ways to do what he has always done well in modern ways. He just did the Lionheart nostalgia run, and he's not content with resting on who he was. He's always worried about who he is, and that's always like something that I strive for. Jericho's another DIY dude. He was like, yo, I'm a musician too. I'm going to be in a rock band and be a pro wrestler. Like, I got two different goals. He's a podcaster, like like a wrestling podcasting godfather at this point. Um 
him going to New Japan opened the door for a lot of people to check out New Japan that wouldn't have in the first place. Uh, as we were already there, welcoming Chris Jericho in there to, to work with Kenny Omega and talk about how cool this would be. And it was like a like that match inspiring the creation of AEW and then his run in AEW ever since. Like, GOAT contender. The most unique career ever in professional wrestling has worked for every promotion of the last 30 years. You can pretty much name except like all Japan. I don't believe he appeared there. He was in war. He's in CMLL. He was in Smoky Mountain, AAA, WCW, ECW, WWF during the Attitude Era. Um, <laughs> uh, goes all the way through new, modern New Japan, AEW. There's no one with his resume, like in, in the places he's been and hot and being there at the right time and just being ahead of the business. Like Chris Jericho is like they called him. He called himself the living legend in like 1999. He got heat with Larry Sabisco with it. But like Larry Sabisco ain't never been on this level ever. <laughs> um, living legend is it's like. Like we should be thankful. Like Chris Jericho is still in wrestling and like still offering his knowledge to wrestling because he's gonna be like you know the guys we grew up with as the old timers. Like you're there's these knowledgeable people that learned all these lessons from people. The person that's gonna be passing that stuff on from all this time that we've watched wrestling to your next era of guys like your Hangman's, your Jay White's, Will Osprey, um, all the younger people, they all look up to Jericho. Jericho's big homie to all of them. And he's going to be passing that, you know, the stuff that um, made him great that he learned. He's going to keep passing that down. And, we're, and one way or another, Chris Jericho will always be in the DNA of pro wrestling around the world. Number three. Johnny Gargano. I love underdog baby face. <laughs> Man, um I remember watching the uh the Cruiserweight Classic and I I, I remember watching one match, watching his match with, with Champ and be like, it's a really good match. Um you know, and like putting it out of my mind. Put it out of my mind. And then the next thing I know, uh they do Brooklyn 2 and it's and it's DIY as a tag team now versus uh the me- or not the mechanics uh the revival. Uh, revival the revival at the time yeah uh, they had just got done being called the mechanics but revival and I'm like yo this match is incredible um this is one of the best tag matches I've ever seen the the kick the like the setup of like all of these incredible what would be incredible finishes to matches in general that you're kicking out of. I'm just like, holy shit, it blows my mind. Um ultimately they end up losing. And then the next takeover, they have the match, uh they have the uh Toronto and they have they somehow have having a match that blew my mind. They have a match that like I think is one of the three best tag matches I've ever seen. Um and like to go from there, by that point in time, like, this is, like, my third match ever seeing Johnny Gargano. I'm like, yo, this dude's, like, fucking incredible. And 
to see them, you know, be tag team champs and, you know, eventually lose ALP and then they, they break up and unfortunately Ciampa tours ACL. So like Johnny has to go out on his own, but he doesn't have like a hot program to go. He just has to go out there and plug and play. And his, and man, when he plugs and play, this motherfucker don't miss. And he's out here on these undercards and these mid card matches and he's fucking killing it. He's the best wrestler in the company or in the, in the sub brand. Uh, just seeing him and then like eventually it's setting up for uh, he sets up with Andrade and he, he has the match with the matches with Andrade and they're incredible and obviously Ciampa comes back and it's on and like you know obviously the I don't want to short sell the Andrade match I you know a lot of people think is what a lot of people think is the best WWE match ever um I personally think the match with, with Champa is, uh, at, at New Orleans is the best match ever in WWE history, but neither here nor there. Like, he just goes on this run of, of just, like, incredible big matches that, like, match up with literally anything at the time anywhere else in the world. Like, the only people that you can say are better than big matches at that point are, like, Kenny Omega and Okada, which is, like, what? Th- th- this dude, like, was, a, was like, a 10-day contract uh, on the matter of speaking, uh, for NXT, and like he becomes this, and the whole room where I was like, "Yo, this dude has because he's just, he's just the crowd behind him, the crowd loves him. He's a great baby face. Like he has to be the champion. Like it, it gives me the shade. It gives me like the the the, the shades of like Daniel or, or, or like Brian all over again. And then like he gets stopped at uh at at Brooklyn three that year, and I'm just like, "Yo, I." I have to stick this through. I have to see how he, he has to get back to this. And obviously he does. And on that run, like he's still killing it. Has, has a great match. Does the hill turn thing. Has a match with, with Alistair Black. Alistair Black slaps sis back into him. Has the match with, uh, with Ricochet. And like, he is like, and Ciampa's getting nervous. Ciampa wants no problem with it. He's like, hey man, let's, let's become a team again. And let's get you the, let's get you the United States champions. You stay the fuck away from my NXT title. And then, and then like, he doesn't realize that, like, he is, he thinks he's gaslighting Gargano, but Gargano is really gaslighting him and playing to his ego. And then when the moment of truth comes, it's like, all along, like, nah, man, you thought you had me. No. Like, I, I, I play, I play like I'm injured, and then I come beat your ass, and it sets up, and unfortunately, like, the match doesn't happen because of Ciampa's neck. But, like, they, they rebound with, with, uh, Cole, and they go out there, and they have an incredible match that I saw live, and I thought was, like, four and three quarters, and people think, People think this match is the, one of the greatest matches ever. And um, I ended up watching it uh, a lot or watching it replay. And I, and I see what people say about it. And I wish, like, quite frankly, I, had, I didn't watch it live. <laughs> the, the match is so much better on television. Uh, but, like, it, it is like, you know, it is just like a best of the Super Juniors final. Like, any, it, it competes with anything that's maybe not like oh, Osprey and, and Shingo. Um it's just incredible. And then the next match they have, like, it's, 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 it's basically, it's equal without the two out of three falls thing, as far as just a work rate, just as far as like no interference or anything and none of the emotion of basically being four guys to actually get your moment. Um, uh, it was just same equal. And like, you know, that whole time he's, you know, like he's just basically hanging out cause he's like, he's taking time off and like he, you know, he's just great. And like, that was one of the most fulfilling, like babyface title chase I've ever See, and maybe it is, maybe it is number one. Like, I mean, for me at this point, like it's either Tam's white belt run or, 
or Danielson won title at WrestleMania 30 or this. Like for me, as far as like I was invested by this person like failing at the beginning, I want them to overcome and eventually get it. And like for the people that like they have like you know Okada, uh, I'm sorry, Omega tumbling Okada, like the the those. I feel it in the same way, and I get it. Like in like a lot of these people on my list, like they fit that mold of like the program of this person on one level and all they, all it takes is like one match or one moment. And it like, seems like they're about to go on a run. And I'm just like behind them a hundred percent of the way. And like, once they achieve, like, it's like, I fucking, but I fucking saw it. And I believed in it. And it like makes me like root for them even harder. And, um, so Gargano definitely exemplified that. And like, he's just like the greatest NXT performer ever at a time. Where, like, I love that, prom- that brand or promotion, whatever you want to call it at the time. And they were having just incredible, uh, things. And, I miss it. I miss it. I really do. Um, but yeah, just incredible. Number two, Brian Danielson. Um, Daniel Bryan, uh, whatever you want to call him. Um, I talked about Hiroshi Tanahashi being a great baby face. Um, hook, line, and sinker. 2013, that run to saving WrestleMania 30. Um, the slow motion yes chant. Uh, I will never forget that ever. Um, I I like his work as a babyface the best personally. I know some people like his heel stuff, but um, he's like the Yes Movement was like one of the defining things that we've ever talked about uh, on this podcast. And he like there was I always believed in him. And I always felt like he didn't get his just due in WWE as, you know, they were kicking and screaming, you know, to go with them. It felt like um, you don't come up with as many conspiracy theories like I do about Brian that. (laughs) <laughs> like if somebody wasn't that fucking great and mm-hmm. special to you as a wrestler, like um, when, when he had to retire, like, you know, I don't think I cried, but it was just like, fu- it felt like this big void, like from, you know, that, you know, that was, that was gone that no matter how, how much AJ Styles was, was awesome on pay-per-view, it couldn't replace like, the the movement that I felt WWE turned away from like um, I didn't watch his last match in WWE because I didn't want to see him lose to Roman Reigns again um, essentially get chosen you know or not get chosen essentially you know then you know I called me a mark whatever I didn't I didn't want to see it um, he got to get two WrestleMania main events out of it. Uh, ironically one of them coming against Roman Reigns I always wanted them to do Brian and Reigns with the uh Rolls flipped and somehow Edge got in it. So, uh, <laughs> or excuse me, somehow Brian got in because yeah, it was supposed yeah. to be Roman and Edge. But, um, he, like, he was, he's just like, um, I, I never bought that Brian Danielson was an underdog because I thought he was the best. So I never bought into the, the size, like, size stuff like this is like when i realized like yo this guy can really just be my favorite wrestler i don't have to have any like misforgivings about it i don't have to like act like only Shawn michaels and bret hart are allowed to be in that space like he changed that like and um it was 
like watching him like he's, he's responsible for so much joy and like the wrestlemania parties we used to throw um and whether like <clears throat> and he did this stuff it wasn't like he had the 27 Yankees of opponents to do this against. Like he was pulling a lot of people up to his level. Like, you know, there were people that were, were good for what they do, what they did like Orton and, um, you know, his matches with Cena and he would pull shit out of Kane, like Sheamus. Uh, casket match, Sheamus, um, you know, the real Americans, like, and even to this day, he's still pulling stuff out of Jake Hager. So it's like, you know, I, I was so like, you know, bummed out by his retirement and then like when he came back i felt like it was like a new lease on life and then they blew that too um because obviously they their their weak ability to book baby faces declined even further uh in those four years <clears throat> and throughout this whole time he's i insist he should have been cleared in 2015 the end of 2015 lots of doctors agree with me only one didn't and then you know, once it was time for other promotions to to get hot, like you know, he would have went to New Japan. He would have signed with AW out the gate probably if he if he was able to. Magically, he can wrestle again, whatever the situation may be. People like that Planet Champion stuff a lot more than I did, but I kind of disconnected like in a similar way that James is disconnected to Bailey. Um, like in that time, like I was like, he's gonna make it work because he's fucking Daniel Bryan, but like I don't. Like ain't none of this shit like really hidden for me. Um, then he kind of pulls Kofi Mania out, like you know, giving him his world title, um, you know, out of thin air. He has to land a plane for that. It's awesome. Still not right what I want for him. So I'm just like kind of watching him at a distance as I'm further disconnecting with WWE. Um, at this point, you know, I stopped watching WWE, and it's like, um, uh, oh. Yeah, general happiness peaks at two for sure. Uh, RP PNB Rock, yeah, he lost his life uh, tonight um, in LA, I believe. Um, but Brian Danielson like continued to go on from there, and I just knew they had he was in character hell for until he left the company. After that, um, the the cooled down babyface, and then he was the only someone that got he was someone that got um something worth a damn out of the fiend, which is nuts. Um, and he just had this this hunger to really like, you know, the years that he got took taken off his career. He didn't want to spend the rest of his career headed down. And they tried to pacify him towards the end, but he was out of there, and we all knew it. And he goes to AEW's first matches against Kenny Omega, one of the greatest matches and environments I've ever seen in wrestling. Um, and he rolls out this like he decides every week. Or every like week and a half, like with Rampage, I'm gonna just like I'm gonna put four, four and a quarter, four and a half, four and three quarters on the board every single week, and nobody can stop me from doing it. I don't care who you are. Like, and he just fucking rolls out like it's. I I am more connected to the Daniel Bryan run than I have been to his AW work. Strangely, because like you know, he he felt the like rise. He was, it was the rise thing, right? And and he he was coming up and. It was like this. He was raging against this machine. I, I had a question I asked on the air, like when he came, like I was like, I wonder if it'll be the same that there's no quote unquote like machine for him to rage against. And it hasn't quite felt the same, but like as a wrestler, he's sharp as ever. Um, he's got, he's, he's kept up. Like he doesn't um, necessarily wrestle a style even that 
would traditionally appeal to me because he does a lot of the technical stuff, but I always liked his striking. I liked his fire, and I, I just liked him. Like, and um, <coughs> seeing what, what he's done, he seems like he's going to be the, the AEW champion to come. Um, I'm interested to see, like, you know, his what, what his pay-per-view matches look like from there. But as far as, like, these last 10 years, like, you know, if not for you know number one on my list, he would he would have been easy number one. I'm sure you guys know who that is at this point, but um, I I never believed in a wrestler like I believed in Daniel Bryan, even with his body failing him at times. Until you know number one, number two, CM Punk. Um, I, he, I mean him. Like the pipe bomb coupled with The Rock coming back for WrestleMania 28, like got me rich into like watching Monday Night Raw and SmackDown like on a regular basis. Before we were just like, well, you know, I watched Money in the Bank. I heard about a pipe. I heard about a pipe bomb. I watched Money in the Bank. Holy shit, that match is great. Like, what the hell are they going to do? Like, he just left with the belt. Like, he's he's his contract actually ran out. Like, this is interesting. Um, like all of that was just so. It felt it just felt like some uncharted territory for me. Like I, I didn't know what the hell was going on. It felt like you know a bit like musty television, and obviously they they bungled it at points, but it was still compelling nonetheless. And like to see that you know his heel turn to fit for the Rock and like the promo back and forth of like seeing the Rock in the ring mixing up with a dude that's like that looks like that. Like it's interesting and like seeing Punk is giving the Rock the business on the mic. And then they have the match, and the match is the match is you know really good. Um, and you know, and then from that, like he takes that in, into uh, the Undertaker thing, and he, like he's like he's wrestling like a man possessed. Like I, th- I think this is the best performance I've ever seen. Um, quite frankly, um, and obviously you know it continues, and you know he's working with the Shield, and like him and the Shield are doing really good or doing really good stuff, and you know get the get the you know the mega powers or sorry, the any powers uh, combined for the tag match stuff or whatever else. And at that point in time, he's out of WWE. Like you know after that, and then like it just sucked that he was gone because the dude was like such an important part of like the you know when people talk about like you know the pastime stuff of, like when you watch a baseball team and you see somebody you know like every single day or six days a week and like same thing as like when i watch stardom is like i get to see like mayu and shiri and tam and azumi and whoever else like every like twice a week at least um like like so punk was just gone and there was like no sight unseen going like this person was like the you know at one point like uh, you know, un- until Danielson rolls, like my favorite wrestler to watch, and he was just gone. Um, and you know, I moved on, and like, you know, he shows up in Chicago, and like, it was great. It was great. Like, I never thought it was gonna happen. And um, you know, I I think that in AEW, he's had a great run. Like, I think that nobody, I think the under- underrated thing about him that people don't seem to I guess get or grasp is that like he may not be the best wrestler he may not be the best athlete but he's better at program building and TV time than anyone else like the Kingston stuff the the MJF stuff uh he's just he's just a mastermind at like 
being able to put together compelling television and then there's a match and the match is always going to be quality. It may not be four and a half stars all the goddamn time. It may, it may rarely be four and a half stars at this point, given this age, but like this American pro wrestling, you just give me great. And in the big match setting, he consistently gave me great on pay-per-view. Like his TV stuff is a little under, but is a little doesn't match with what he does on pay-per-view, but his pay-per-view uh, track record on uh, in AEW has, has been impeccable. Like his worst match is the Derby match, and like I, I, you know, obviously, you know, we've had what we've just had recently with all the bullshit uh, that is a making of his own doing um, and self destructive. But like, I'm not going to pretend that like I have not enjoyed the hell out of this CM Punk run, even even the Bret Hart ism stuff that people find grating to a halt. I still find those to be quality matches that I still uh, take things from and enjoy. Um, much to the chagrin of my co-host, but I. I just, I just, I'm so happy that, like, he was back for the time being, and obviously, you know, he, it seems like it might be the time to, to wind this thing down, given his, in the, the fact that he's gotten two serious injuries so, uh, so close to each other and, and clustered, but, like, I, I'm so happy to have had, like, that dude come back into my life, um, and, like, it made, it reminded me of, like, how much I enjoyed watching him, um, at the beginning of last decade, and, like, Dude, dude's just like, he just has it, it, whatever it is, the dude's just full of it, um, it leaps and bounds, um, so yeah, that he, he was my number two. Number one, <clears throat> not any real shock here if you listen to One Nation Radio for any amount of time here, um, it is not Cody Rhodes, um, uh, Frankie, um, <laughs> <laughs> um but number one kenny omega um when kobe bryant retired from basketball obviously you guys know the reverence i have for kobe bryant and drawing inspiration through his performances and um you know not being as connected to basketball as i once was and spending a lot of my time watching wrestling kenny omega became my favorite athlete period um and just like the the way he's wrestled um is connected with me on a on a talent level um like you know just see like how incredible he is just you know putting the matches together on a on a storytelling device uh his person he's got a quirky personality that i really connect with um he's someone that like Kobe Bryant had had a lot of detractors like at a time of his greatness that I rallied extra harder around him. Um I think he's like 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 we never got to see LeBron versus Kobe, but we sure got to see Okada versus Omega. <laughs> and um, you know, to to James' analogy about, you know, um, you know, Okada being LeBron just like this perfect guy, like Kenny Omega like had to take a longer route and it took him longer in his career and really had to maximize what he could out of his body. And he was, um, and is like, like just one of the fastest guys I've seen in the ring ever in explosion. Like, 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 like explosive, like what a basketball player would be. It seems like, um, I like, he's someone like that. Like I draw inspiration from like, just, in my art, I'm like, yo, if like Kenny can roll out and just have it, I can do it too. Um, 
I think he's like, and especially like when Kobe Bryant died, like Kenny kind of moved into that space of like the top kind of like athlete that I follow, like, you know, and just really like, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of. And luckily, like I was able to, you know, watch him kill it throughout the pandemic. And um, it was really cool to see him come back recently. And he, he, he really wrecked himself uh, for the last couple of years, helping build this promotion and being absolutely self selfless in the process, deciding he's going to put hangman over and there's going to be nothing that holds him fr- from doing it. Uh, obviously, the rise in New Japan, um, I think me and Jeremy bonded over, over our love of, of Kenny um and seeing just like being the elite like all the all the great entertaining skits and everything like that i I remember the day he won the the g1 finals in 2016 i woke up and saw the last 15 minutes of the match so i was seeing him go through hit and hit all the old bullet club leaders uh moves and none of them worked and then he did the one wing angel and he beat goto for the g1 i felt like i was seeing the next like great star in wrestling um saw the the matches with naito like the the three consecutive g1 matches obviously okada and omega that series is the defining series of of pro wrestling to me um just never a higher quality of work uh a high quality uh person it seems like and um it's just like i feel fortunate to have like you know seen like 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 it's it's crazy because what Daniel Bryan like took away like in his retirement it allowed me to kind of like look around elsewhere and um and, and catch Kenny like on the ascent and then just just ride it out in um the greatest moment of my pro wrestling fandom when he beat Okada in 2018 and and won the series and it was like I don't know what to do with my life now like that, that's what I felt like after the match it was like like and I felt like that Josh felt like that Jeremy felt like that we all watched it together it like this like like if it was like the godfather trilogy and shit like that like that's what like this this is the godfather of like wrestling like if godfather three was worth a damn yeah yeah like it's like like the 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 endurance the the fighting spirit like like kenny omega has like like draws people to tears um I don't think people will really like I obviously like there he has a lot of detractors like you know the, the cornet people and uh, the pure elitist, like wherever he goes, there's always like a weird sect that's, you know, trying to come at him and, and discredit this guy. Um, obviously, you know, it seems like Meltzer has had some kind of loose association with him, like as far as like, you know, overrating his matches or right, always rating his matches high. And that, that kind of added a lot to, 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 to his, um, you know, the, the perception around him. But like when I see him, it's like, you know, I don't need Dave Meltzer to tell me that this is like, the greatest wrestler I've ever seen. Like, just like, I don't know what he can't do in the ring. Um, it's, it's, I feel fortunate to <laughs> be able to watch him still. Um, I feel fortunate to, I feel like he's going to have another, you know, five years uh, at this level. Um, and I think, you know, along with the elite, and like seeing like you know him and the young bucks together like that's like man it's like yo i aspire to like to to beat to do dope shit with my friends like that and um you know his title wins like they've they've been they've been great 
uh, his character stuff with, with Don Callis is, is phenomenal because like, I feel like I would like hype him up if, if they were like rich, what would you want to, if you were able to be Kenny Omega's manager, how would you act? I feel like Callis is a fucking avatar for me. Um, and I'm sure I talk James ear off like all the time about Kenny. It's just like, yo, I, I feel similar to Kenny Omega that I do about Kobe Bryant at, at this point. Like, like that's just it is what it is and i'm almost like tearing up talk talking about it but um he i i'm I'm glad he's back um and he like the the matches that he's done has helped uh, inspire like my life i had to james well said man well said um Number one for me, um, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, whatever you want to call him. Sometimes I call him Bryanson because I make an amalgamation of both of the names. Um, the watching that dude um, be, you know, a comedy guy for the most part. Starting out watching AEW, or sorry, AEW, WWE on SmackDown. <laughs> And he's a Money in the Bank winner, and you got Big Show, and you got Mark Henry, and they're in, you know, they're the champion and challengers, and obviously you, you got Mark Henry uh, doing the Hall of Pain thing, and the only person that can stop him is is Big Show seemingly, and like they keep teasing it like this dork that they're, t- that I think at the time Michael Cole is saying is a vir- is trying to hint that he's a virgin, because because Vince McMahon's an asshole, yeah. Um, is like is this person that you, like you shouldn't respect because like Dave Meltzer years ago like thought he was the best technical wrestler ever, and like he got shit because like the dude like because of you know vanilla midgetism or whatever else over the over the decades of pro wrestling is like if you're really good at pro wrestling apparently you can't be charismatic or or be funny or have comedic timing or or be a a strong personality, um uh, and the guy just like kept plugging away and then he eventually won over people, won over whoever. I don't know who the hell it was, but like he cashed in money in the bank and, he, and then he turns into this, this chicken shit hill over the years. And he's like or over the time. And then by the time you get the money in the bank, it's like, oh my God, he's about to like lose. He's about to lose the freaking Santino and the crowd fucking believes it. And then, you know, he gets to WrestleMania and he gets squashed. Um, for for the big Sheamus win and like the crowd just would not let the shit go because they had a he had an attachment with the crowd and like the next thing you know like he shows up the next night and um and like the crowd is with him you get the yes chant and all that and you know he he he, he does team hell no and that's like one of the great like weird odd couple tag teams in WWE history um and like it keeps getting him over because he's with. Kane and Kane's like reinvigorating his career at that point. And then you, uh, and then you get to like the match with Cena. And like, I remember telling Rich, it's like, bro, like, I'm not buying this shit that they're going to put this fucking guy over. Like, I, I love him, but they're not going to, they're not going to put him over because why should I, why should I trust that this company is going to do the right thing and put this dude over to like give a shot to like trying to make another top star? And this at a point in time where it's like, you have, you know, Team Hell No on Raw. You have CM Punk on Raw. You have and you have Cena on Raw. So it's like, literally for each hour, you have a mega. For in my is my view of it, like you have a big, gigantic baby face hero to carry an hour of their own, and they're just 
they're just Raw was just a blast to watch at the time. Even if it wasn't even like you had the same dumb things you always had in WWE, but like it was just still stuff that like I don't even not even necessarily bearable, actually enjoyable to watch because you had like these three anchor baby faces, and they've never come close to anything similar to that ever again. Um, as far as having heroes that you trust and believe in, um, and like you see Brian like win that match at at um it's with Cena. Like it was very satisfying for me, and I, I I loved it. And then they 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 snatched it from me seconds later with Randy Orton. I was like, oh my god, this is fucking great. And like you know, they had the feud, and like um, obviously I, that was the end of it. That's what they wanted the end of it to be. But like their hands were forced by like they knew that like the Batista shit by bringing by announcing Batista, and the crowd was like, oh, it's just Batista, and like. We were like, well, what is this story you're telling? Where like the, he just got rid of the, the uh, he turned heel for a second, he's brainwashed, and he just got the slow motion yes chant. Things like, what are you watching on TV that's not letting y'all know from the from the crowd that like this is not like the person to be pushing at this particular time, and like for him to get that, to get, you know, and then they eventually changed course because Triple H's match went out the window because CM Punk left. And like they, they were like, all right, we're gonna put this fucking guy all the way over then. Like we're gonna have him be. Uh, Triple H, and he's going to get to the triple, uh, the triple threat match, and he, then he fucking wins, and they do all the stuff, the, the the stretcher job and all that stuff, and he still fights off the stretcher job after the RKO bomb, and man, like... It, that it was shit just, is absurd on his face, like, bro, they did everything to, like, just beat him down to the last moment. They injured him before that match. Yeah, yeah. With, with Triple uh, H. After Triple H, after, yep, 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 her injuries on. Like, they, they put it, they laid it on super thick, but it was like, yo, they just, they made that dude... He was already a legend to a lot of people. They made that dude a legend to everyone that was watching at the time. Um, in that night, if if he had if people hadn't already felt that about him, and then like, you know, unfortunately, you know, he he had a religious title, but when he came back, like, it was and they made an IC champion. Like, it was fun, and he was around. And then he wasn't, and like, I was like, yo, where the fuck is he? Like, what was going on? And then like. You know, they made him retire, and, like, that shit was a gut punch. That shit sucked. Like, I I don't think at that point in time, like, I don't think I ever cried over pro wrestling ever before. Like, his retirement, like, that shit hurt. Um, His retirement speech. Not necessarily his retirement, but his retirement speech. That shit hurt. And, um, you know, he was around. You see him on TV and everything doing the, the SmackDown GM, and he obviously he's with Shane and, you know, Stephanie and Hunter and and Triple H are still, like, doing the, uh, I guess, like, the last remnants of the authority thing, and, like, you know, SmackDown is a show you're supposed to watch, and you have, they're actually, like, trying to have good programming, and then he's around, and, like, the show is fun, and, and that he's at the helm of, and then, like, out of nowhere, we find out, like, he's back, and, like, I I mean, I don't think, to that point, uh, actually, you know, I said it back, but, like, he cussed that promo and it's incredible. Like his retirement promo and his comeback promo are like the two, like my two of my favorite like promos of all time. Like things that brought me to tears. And to see that dude come back, it was like so um it was such a joyous occasion. Like, I was so happy the whole day, uh getting that announcement beforehand he's coming back. And like to see him in WWE and obviously he did the thing with Big Cass and it wasn't that fun, but like he, you know, he's having the matches on TV with Andrade, and then he has the program with AJ Styles, and eventually he turns heel, and him and AJ have that fun program that had the weird ending thing at Royal Rumble 2019 or whatever, uh, but, like, 
you know, we still got some great matches out of that. Um, we got a great, we got the match with, with, with uh, Brock Lesnar that he always wanted and everything. And then, like, you know, at, basically after that point, like, everything else is gravy. He keeps showing up and he's plugging away. He's doing great things. Kofi Manny, as you mentioned, like, adds to just, at this point, like, he's a legacy act. He's adding to the, he's adding to the legacy. Like, and, like, fun things to do on the side. Uh, but, like, they're done pushing him. Like, I mean, hell, they even left him off of fucking SummerSlam. They should have been wrestling for the Reigns. Uh, and, like, he's just great. Every time I see him in a big match, he's still great. And, like like you mentioned, like, he's able to even get pull things and draw things out of people that I think are, like, doing worthless stuff. And he's still able to make things better. Um, like, like you mentioned, like, the Fiend thing. And, like, he leaves. And he ends up in AEW. And, like, I'm just so happy that, like, I get to see the dude, like, go in the ring and be great again. And, um, like he's just been incredible. Ever, and whenever he's been healthy, he's been incredible every step of the way in AEW. And like, it's been about a year now. Like the dude's just like, he doesn't miss. He just doesn't miss. Like everything is like the, the floor for him. That dude is like four stars. Like he's fucking incredible. And like, as much as I thought about how I'm like, you know, I thought that he was like just the best, even back then, like, He's even fucking better now and was probably like, you know, because of whatever, you know, creative or whatever, like creative things or whatever else. Like he was being held back and he was the best then. And like the dude's just incredible. And I like I, you know, he was a bridge and for a lot of things, he was an anchor for a lot of things as far as holding things down, like as far in a good way, as far as like P.O.P. hold it down, not hold it down like it, it plummeted like. The dude right. was just a dude, was just rock solid as like just being at the top, doing fun things, being doing like just great things the whole time, and like the emotional like connection I had to the dude. Still to this day, is just like the dude's just a likable dude. Like it's very simple. Like if I don't, I don't really trust you if you don't like Daniel Bryan. <laughs> like what the fuck is wrong with you? The dude's just a nice guy that says that says funny goofy things or whatever else. It goes out there and wrestles and is a family dude and like. Is a you know is a is a a a uh, a well read person like like in like you see you seen like following this business like all these crazy out of their you know whacked out steroid out coked out people um and like the dude's just like no nah, man I'm just a just a just a nice just a nice white boy and I just go out there and I hit him a biz and I get it done and like I, I just I just, it's just like oh okay cool sign me up like. And like I really um I'm really happy that I ever met I ever like came across this dude on on like watching all this stuff over the years and like who knows like you know what we've lost on him over the over the couple years of you know um retirement or whatever else but like even then like even with that like I still he's number two on your list he's number one on my list missing right. years out of this thing that's crazy. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think if we like averaged out the scores or whatever, he would probably be like the number one wrestler of like the One Nation Radio era. I mean, we just did it, or our favorite wrestlers anyway. Yeah, he's no, he's he's one and a half. Yeah, <laughs> one point five. No one has, no one's even close. I don't yeah. think. Um. Yeah, man. But um, I'm glad we did this. Uh, like, yeah. you know, I don't know if we'll do a midweek show to catch up on everything, but like, cause I mean, dynamite was incredible in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but yeah, like, it, uh, we, um, I had a blast doing this like 10, basically it's like, you know, 
talk about, you know, the run and then basically talked about like the, the, you know, base, like the roughly 40 slots for what would be like the wrestlers of the one nation radio era. I thought, I think this was a great show. I enjoyed it. Yeah, this is great. I didn't expect to start crying on air. Um, y'all, y'all gonna have that on me forever. That shit's on video too. So I uh, probably clipped it. I, I, um, that was my first thought. <laughs> I'm, not yeah. gonna, I'm not even gonna count. That was my first thought. I was like, oh, they gonna get him. This shit. They gonna get me. They gonna, they gonna get this man. They gonna put him. He gonna put him on the, on the. What do you call it? Like the, uh, the Kenny Omega stand list. This from this moment on, if they yep. find this clip. Yep. Uh, and the funny thing is, I got like pyramids behind me, and the pyramids are like ironic. So it's like it's all fucked up, bro. Like, um, <laughs> it's sets up to watch the video. Uh, but yeah, um, we had matches and stuff too. I guess I'll just like run them down. I'm not gonna talk about them, but okay. Um, so I'll go Okada Omega one Shuri versus Utami Shuri wins red belt Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega and AEW um, Arthur Ashe Stadium Jericho versus Omega Russell Kingdom twelve Okada versus Tanahashi um, Tentaku two thousand eighteen Kenny Omega versus Kota Bushi G one two thousand eighteen Kota Bushi versus Tomiro Ishii G one two thousand eighteen. Kenny and Hangman versus the Bucks AEW Revolution Omega versus Naito G one final and Okada Omega four. Okay, I did not make a list for best matches. That was that. That was that ten. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I don't have a list, but off the top of my head, I'm just gonna do this. Uh, Tam Nakano Riso Shiki uh, white belt match from June 16, 2019. Um, uh, Tam Nakano ver- oh, sorry, uh, Julia versus Tam Nakano March third, two thousand twenty one white belt match. Uh, title versus hair. Um, Shuri. I'm oh, sorry, Utami Hayashishta versus Shuri. Uh, J- December 29th, 2021, red belt match, no time limit. Um, Omega versus Okada one, Omega versus Okada four, um, Osprey Shingo best super junior final, um, 2019. Um, that's six, right? Yeah, I, I think that's so. six. Yeah, that's six. All right, let's so let's move around. Johnny Gargano versus uh, uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Um, was it uh, New Orleans? Yeah, New Orleans. I can't remember the stipulation. It was a, some type of death match. Some, some uh, it was it, it was a light. It was unsanctioned. Unsanctioned. That's right. Unsanctioned. Um, Johnny Gargano. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, Andrade versus um, Johnny Gargano. Um, NXT Philadelphia NXT title match. Uh, I think that gets me up to eight. Um, then from there, like uh, Charlotte versus Becky Lynch, last woman standing, SmackDown Women's title match, WWE Revo- or Evolution. Uh, that's like October 2018. That gets me to nine. Um, AJ Styles versus John Cena, um, SmackDown title. Um, Royal Rumble 2018, no, no, 17, um, and hmm, trying to think what, what is going to be this number 10, um, what is going to be number 10? Hmm, 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 um, that's gonna be hard. Like with AEW, I don't really think because there's so many great matches. I, I'm not even gonna agonize over all that. Um, 
but uh, what I will say, I probably would end up going with uh, Lucha. Uh, I'm sorry, Lucha Bros versus Young Bucks. Uh, the um cage match. Um, from was that fall or full gear 2019? And I probably go with that as my favorite uh, AEW match. Um, so the cage match is 21. Oh, the 2021. Ladder. I'm sorry, yep. I said yep. 19. My bad. Yeah, the ladder, ladder matches. Yeah, that's uh, that's 2019. Yeah, so those would be my 10. I'm doing this all the time in my head, so I'm probably not gonna listen back to this and be like, oh, I fucked that all up. <laughs> but yeah, man, um, 10 years of one issue radio. Congratulations, James. Thanks for doing this with me every week. And um, yeah, man, this is uh this is great audio. Uh, if I had to say so myself. Um, if you guys like if you just want to support the show, as I mentioned earlier, um find the one nation radio feed and start downloading the shows on that in the future to help us out a great deal. Uh, do it in addition to the social suplex, uh, podcast network. We don't want to skimp on that. Uh, but yeah, we've, we had, we've had a vision and a way we want to approach, uh, covering co- pro wrestling. Uh, hope you guys, you know, share that and continue to, to rock with us. Um, but yeah, you know, it ain't going to stop from here. So uh, I only hope to get bigger and um, and reach more people and, uh, and, and talk to you guys more about, you know, this sport we all love. Uh, yeah. Uh, so thanks for listening, y'all. Um, donations go to, uh, if you're watching on the stream, uh, PayPal links on the, is on the screen. So as the, the cash app app or say a uh, uh, link, um, if you are listening uh, from the podcast, go into the show notes or show description and uh, click on the link to a rest circle to take you to donations. Um, and listen to other shows on the network besides one of your radio. You have Keeping a Strong Style. You have the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show. Um, Grumman Watch This Shit. 8-Bit Suplex. The Grave Consequences Podcast. AEW Match Guide. All Things Elite. Get in the ring, great match generator, and meet the press slam. Thanks for listening, y'all. Later.